Oh, with the documents. Yeah. Okay. With the documents. It was All only right. one. Yeah. I did send it. After I sent the link, started with the link, and then I All right, Bracken, let me double check. Morning, King. Uh, good morning, Chairperson. Yes. Are you fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Ready. Uh, you tell me when you are ready. Yes, I was just waiting for at least one member to join. Okay. Morning, Chairperson. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Honorable. <laughs> Are you okay, Chairperson? I'm fine. fine now. I'm ready. I'm ready as well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Chairperson? Yes. Okay. I can hear you, King. You can hear me. Can you see the the yes. screen? Yes. Okay. Clear. I think we can start now. Thank you. Good morning, honorable members. Good morning, Chair. Morning, chair. Um, Recording in progress. Good morning also to our guest and the minister. We've got the agenda before us. The first item is opening welcome and the purpose of the meeting. You're warmly welcome. The purpose of the meeting is to get briefing uh, from customized enterprise and supplier development, as well as um, the consideration of minutes of the previous Wachikon meetings, uh, which mm-hmm. was a, a long overdue issue on the issue of um, ShopRite Enterprise and Supplier Development Programs. So I'm happy today they are here with us and then we'll deliberate on their presentation and have a way forward on how best can we assist our small businesses. So without any waste of time, because time is money, I would like to invite all concrete ideas and inputs to make this session possible for the benefit of our society. 
You are warmly welcome. The meeting is officially opened. I will now request our official to present apologies if ever we do have a Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning, Chair. Bracking over to you. Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning, Chair. Good morning, Honorable Members. Uh, good morning, uh, colleagues from uh, two uh, entities, which is RW, CETA, and the colleagues from uh, ShopRite uh, Group. Uh, Chairperson, members that have joined the platform that I've identified. It's uh, yourself, Honorable Suela, Honorable Jacobs, Honorable Tivilias, Honorable Matulelwa, Honorable Kruger, Honorable Zumula, Honorable Nkosultuli, Honorable Tomelan, Honorable Mtenjane, Honorable Hendricks, and Honorable uh, April. Those are the members, so I was still waiting for Honorable Lubengo, which I have not received any apology so far. So those are members that are in, uh, and then uh, I'll further explain that we do not have the minister with us. Uh, we are also having then the leadership of uh, WR CETA and the leadership of the Chopra group where we're expecting to uh, deliberate or brief or inform the committee on the Shoprite Enterprise and Supply Development Program. So, Chairperson, those are the people that are in the platform. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brocking. Um the next item is adoption of the agenda. Can I have a mover from honorable members? Chairperson, honorable Highness, April, I am moving for the adoption of the agenda. Thank you. Any seconder, honorable members? Chair, I will propose that we accept the agenda as is. Thank you, honorable Kruger. The next item is presentation, uh, Bracking. You didn't mention their names. You have just indicated that our guests are from these uh, entities. And then I would invite them. The leader of the delegation will give us a presentation from the two. Okay, sorry, Chairperson. Uh, there was a request from... Uh... WRCTA to start with them since uh, I think it's Mr. Shova will be having a meeting, other meeting at two. So we'll start with WRCTA. Okay. Over to you, WRCTA. Thank you, Chair. And good morning, members. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm audible. You are myself. I can hear you. I don't know from okay. other members. Okay. Thank you. Thank thank you. If I am, um, I have, I've thank thank you, Honorable Kruger. I have circulated the presentation, 
Um, so I'm not sure from the Secretariat if the presentation is available or should I present from my end? Maybe rather let me present from my side. Yes, Shoba, we we did receive the presentation. However, I've made you a course because it becomes easier. If oh, yes. You, you flight it and then you are able to control it yourself. The only thing that will test for now, maybe for a time being, you can show yourself so that members can see you and then maybe in the long run, you can switch off your camera. Okay. Um, I, I believe your data is enough to show yourself. And <laughs> um, it is, I'm not, uh, I'm not that, okay, there it is. I'm just trying to check the video. Am I visible? It shows that it's on, but on the screen it doesn't show. Yes. um... Okay. Okay, you can uh, you you can can proceed then if you uh, can see that it's having some problems. I don't know what might be the reason. Okay, no, thank you. Um, I, I don't know how to do that. I see it. It, it shows like it is presenting. So from the presentation that I have, um, I'm trying to share the presentation. I'm not sure if it is showing. You see the presentation? It is. I don't remember that I believe you can see it. Okay. No, no, no. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still to educate myself quite well on Zoom. I'm more, um, user friendly to Microsoft Teams. So maybe that's why my video is not coming up. But from my side, it shows that it's, it's, it's playing out. But it be that as it may, chair and honorable members, um, I'll start with the brief introduction. Um, of myself, um, um, my name is Sipo, uh, Shoba from the wholesale and retail center. I'm employed as a chief operations officer. Uh, I've been with the CETA for the last 14 years now, uh, to be precise. And I'm responsible for the operation of the organization. We are having CETA presence in all the nine provinces. Except for Gauteng, wherein we have two provincial offices, but in one province. So in our, our structure, you will then, when you go through our website, members uh, shouldn't be surprised to see the 10 provincial offices 
yet we've got only nine provinces in the country. It is because of that reason that in Gauteng we decided to divide to divide it into two because of the high concentration of our levy-paying stakeholders in the retail sector. As Honourable Members and Chair and uh, Honourable Minister, you know that Gauteng is an economic hub of the continent. Um, so most of our levy-paying, active levy-paying stakeholders as a wholesale retail sector, they are in the Gauteng province. So for us to be agile and um, uh, customer-centric, we then uh, structured ourselves in that way so that we can be closer to majority of our stakeholders in that particular province. So the presentation that we are sharing today, therefore it mainly focuses on the SME, which is part of our uh, key stakeholders that makes up about 80% of our levy paying companies that we are servicing. Then the remaining 20, it is split between our large and the super large. So the large and the super large in terms of our definitions and the small and macro, um, it, it, it doesn't, it differs from the way in which it is categorized or classified um, in terms of the Department of Small Business because we do not necessarily look at uh, the turnovers of this organization uh, in our classification of their sizes, but rather we look at the number of employees that they employ. So those that we classify as small macro are those wholesale and retail companies that employs 49 less people. So we classify them as small. And those that employ between 50 to 149, we classify them as a medium. And those that employs um, between 150 employees to 9,999, we classify them as large. And those that employs anything above 10,000, um, we classify them as super large. And in the super large category, we've got a few um, companies, to be precise, we've got about 13 that falls within the super large category. That is your ShopRite group with over 100,000 plus employees, your Boxer group with over 40-something thousand, your Mr. Price, the MassMart group, and so forth, TFG. So those are super large. They employ 10,000 more employees. So we've got a different approach how we support them. And then the, 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 the large one, as I indicated, is between 150 to um, uh, uh, 9,999. Uh, 9, We've got a different approach. But the sector that we mm-hmm. are coming to present is the SME, which is what we have been requested to come present before this committee. So we are mainly focusing on the hundred ten. Um, um, uh, 49 less but in 149 less as a sitter we have then since um, uh, classified them in terms of those that are formal in a way that they might have been uh, having a registration with the CIPC as legal entities so we support them differently as opposed to those that we classify them as informal traders Informal traders, we is, is typically your hawkers.
sort about that chair. So the, the hawkers are our informal traders that um, will normally be trading in our towns, in our wherever they trade in the small shopping complexes. And majority of them will ideally be registered with the local government sector. But because they're in a retail space, we do then support them. And we've got different programs on how to support them. And we also have the third category in the SME, which is your entrepreneur development. In your entrepreneur development, that is where we, we do what we call also the supply development program, where we try also whatever that we do in terms of our mandate, we go beyond our mandate to link them up with some of our uh, mainstream players in the retail space. Like for an example, um, um, small scale farmers who might be doing their produce wherever that they do, we're able then to, to support them through training and also facilitate the access to the market. Uh, with 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 most of our wholesalers that we operate with, so we we refer that as entrepreneurship development program. So those are the three programs I'm going to talk about for the purpose of this committee chair and honourable members. That is your entrepreneurship program that we do, and then it's your informal traders uh, program we do, and then it's your small micro enterprises that we do, and the type of support that we do in that. So the current slide, it just um, uh, refreshes our memory in terms of our mandate. As the CETA, as you know, members and chair, uh, we are scheduled 3A, and our mandate is mainly on skills development to ensure that we disperse the grant to facilitate the learning program implementation. As Wholesale and Tell CETA, our vision is to become uh, a leader in the skills development um, um, in the in the country, for the sector that we are responsible for, our mission is to ensure that we have a professionalized wholesale and retail sector, right from your informal trader, uh, entrepreneurship uh, development program where entrepreneurs are supported, up until to your super large um, uh, companies or organizations that we work with. So we are doing that by obviously ensuring we support any learning program that will make them skilled and capable to carry out the responsibility they've got to and competent and be also sustainable and eventually to make the wholesale retail sector a carrier of choice and not the sector wherein if people then might have been not successful, maybe either at the tertiary education level or wherever, and then you just go and say, just go and work in the retail sector. We are professionalizing the sector, and we are going out there to say the sector has actually um, has got a very key role in terms of the GDP of this country. So that is what summarizes our mandate in terms of what we're supposed to be doing as a wholesale retail sector. Now, in terms of the high-level situation analysis, honorable members and chair, um, the SMME um, uh, it has got quite a number of challenges. What we did as a wholesale sector, um, we have uh, engaged um, three universities in the country whom we appointed as the retail chair. This is where we wanted it to start part of our strategy too, to say for us to be able to professionalize the sector and also have, got to have an understanding, let us not only rely on 
the sector skills plans that we do ourselves together with our stakeholders. But let's also get an academic component through the wholesale and retail chairs that are chairs by the three universities being University of Cape Town, University of uh, DUT, Devon University of Technology, and as well as uh, the UJ. So they do quite a number of uh, investigation for us. And one of the subjects they had to look at was to look at the issue of the SMME generally, the challenges at the macro level and at the micro level. What could be those challenges that SMMEs that are faced? And they have been identified those particular challenges at the macro level and also at the macro level. But then the question as a CETA, we then had to ask ourselves, what will be our response? What, what is our reaction to that? Because we've, we've got to have um, a programs that therefore seek to address those particular challenges. So we then develop our own SME and entrepreneurship strategy as a, as a CETA to be able, therefore, to say, one, at the, at the macro level, we know that we can influence the, the government policy point of view through the participation in every discussions that are happening. As you know, um, we as CITAS, we, 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 we report to the Minister of Higher Education and Training, but we also participate through the National Skills Authority that advises the Minister on issues of skills development. So we also see ourselves as a, a, a relevant stakeholder in the um, a, a policy formulation and the regulation point of view to influence the direction in favor of the SMME. Then at the macro level, high level, obviously, which talks about a number of issues which are challenging the SMMEs, your issue of limited financing opportunities and the poor cash flows, and also incompetent human resource. And, and, and one of those things that we are doing is therefore obviously to invest in terms of the skills program trainings that we are offering to these SMMEs. But we go beyond therefore uh, to say in terms of the infrastructure that majority of our SMME are not necessarily um, 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 uh, provided with that um, uh, supports their trading space where they could just trade, for an example, in a, in a manner that is dignified and so forth. We go beyond, as I would say, to tell CETA to support them uh, by making um, the funding available for for that particular support on infrastructure. And so in terms of our infrastructure support that we do, we do quite a number of things in terms of our strategy, which among is the the the, the, the shelves wherein they trade in your spaza shop, your typical spaza shop. Um, we will then uh, give them the funding to, to, to revamp or construct their shelves. Secondly, they can also do the revamping of the trading space if they've got their own small container there, we are able then to come in, or if they've got their own structure, we are able to come in and support them uh, in terms of renovating that particular door at not at that massive scale, because that is not our core, core, core mandate, because our core mandate is mainly training, but we go beyond, therefore, to say we can make certain funding available um, to, to, to meet to halfway in terms of uh, uh, supporting the infrastructure. The other infrastructure that we are very big in terms of the the, 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 the the challenge that we have identified at the macro level is the issue of the the, the, the fintech solutions. Uh, most of the spaza shop operators 
and majority of also for informal traders, they still trade, uh, you know, using the manual uh, cash payment system. So now we are starting there for now to move into that space where we are um, uh, putting funding to support them in as far as the fintech solution there they can trade they can they can sell variety of programs i mean products like your airtime your whatsoever so we do fund that particular uh, infrastructure with some of the smmes that we are identifying including the entrepreneurship that is just at a high level but members and chair you will then remember that uh, we 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 also while we're still trying to deal with the challenges of the SMME trying to come up with products or solutions or strategies. Then we also experience the July 2021 unrest and the looting, which which the wholesale retail sector was uh, heavily affected by that uh, in our case, then in particular province, and as well as part of the Eastern Cape and Gauteng largely. Um, We have then had those uh, uh, unfortunately setbacks because majority of those that were affected, they are also the very same stakeholders that we already put in programs to support them. Then just when we're trying to recover from the July unrest, we also experienced the April flood uh, flooding in KZN and part of Eastern Cape, where we saw quite a number of our um, uh, retail organizations being affected by that, um, in a sense that you are, you are hawkers majority of your hawkers who were trading wherever they were trading in tax rents, in shopping centers, in schools, then all those structures that were there, though majority of the structures might have not necessarily been built by us, uh, but by obvious government and the local municipalities, but they were washed away. And in a way, uh, then most of our stakeholders were affected because in those number of days, they couldn't have the trading space um, they couldn't. They couldn't have an income. They couldn't do anything. So, but however, um, we are doing quite a number of few things also to respond, as much as we tried also to respond to the pandemic, COVID nineteen, and the July unrest, and now with the flooding that we have experienced in April. So, chair and honourable members and honourable minister, then this 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 slide that is now presenting, I've tried to look at the, uh, the last three financial years in terms of these three categories of uh, SMME, as I've spoken to, that I'm going to be focusing on, we have done as a CETA and to what extent uh, we are impacted by the the macro and the microeconomic uh, the issues that I've highlighted in the previous slides. <laughs> there are three categories in the presentation of this support that we do. The SME, the number of, in terms of the indicator that we have as part of our annual performance plan is the support on the small and medium enterprises um, uh, uh, by the CETA. Members and honorable chair, you will recall I did indicate that this type of indicator or this category of SMEs are those that employs um, uh, uh, 149 less employees, um, uh, 149 uh, from 149 just across, but they are registered with CIPC. So some they might have a levy number in terms of the levy registration. Some they might be levy exempt because of the levy exemption system if their threshold is below the 500,000. But however, in our 1920 financial year. 
we had supported about the 3,608 because I guess at that particular point, as wholesale and tail data, we were very healthy in terms of our health status. Um, but however, if you see now in 2020, 2021 financial year, we dropped because of the COVID outbreak. Majority of our stakeholders um, uh, were affected by the COVID-19, um, which was at the peak in terms of the, the hard lockdowns and so forth. And we had now to reprioritize our annual performance plan at that particular point um, because the projected income that we thought we would have was now affected by the four-month payment uh, levy holiday that was granted. And that saw us as water and city losing about 34% of our revenue uh, uh, income in terms of the levy grant uh, revenue. So that also affected the, the financial resources for our 2020-2021 financial year, which dropped it to 2,446. But last financial year, which just ended now in March, we pick up a little bit because I think the economy is now recovering. Though we were not heavily that much affected as the sector wholesale and retail, uh, because we are a very resilient sector in our nature. But that drop was then uh, picked up. What we did in terms of the expenditure, uh, in terms of that line item, we were supporting each SME uh, at 18,000. That was for, for, for training and the business support that I'm talking about. But in 1920, you can see we have spent about 64.9 million at 18,000 per SME to support the 3,608. Uh, however, in our 2020, 2021, we had to cut the budget from 18,000 because of, as I indicated, the issue of the COVID and the payment holidays and so forth. We then cut our expenditure or our budgeting that we provide to SMME by half. Uh, then we were working at about 9,500 instead of 18,000. So the 9,500 that we gave to the 2,446 SMME was then divided into 3,000 went into training, which is mainly non-credit bearing. We don't do a credit bearing. When I say non-credit bearing, we're not doing a training that will require uh, assessment, moderations, and the certification, which is a more expensive and unfortunately part of our strategy. Most SMMEs do not have a luxury of being out of their stores or out of their business operations for a longer period. So when you are doing a credit bearing, it takes them forever to be out. So rather we do, you are three days up to five days, maximum uh, credit, non-credit bearing short program that addresses the key, 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 key uh, 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 skills that they require. Like for an example, your modules on finance for non-finance managers so that they have the basic financial calculation skills. So we have, We've we've got we've got that particular budget from the nine thousand five, uh, which is about three thousand. That we, it goes to that, and because at that point we still had uh, the 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 regulation in terms of the COVID nineteen, so the five hundred rand we were building it for when they are in that class for that five days, they will use that for 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 PPE, uh, like your mask, your sanitizers. Uh, as part of our, our of our adjusted uh, response strategy to COVID nineteen, and then the six thousand was going straight into the support 
peasant support, which means some will use that 6,000 to replenish stock in their spaza shops. Some will use that 6,000 to renovate. Some will use that 6,000 to, um, to, 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 to put the security features like your butlers on their stores and whatsoever. They will have quite a number of other uh, activities that they will do. Some they even buy. Um, uh, uh, because some of them there, they've got the fridge, the, the, the fridge that they use for, for putting their products and whatever when they trade, they will use that. So we know that is not enough to meet all the infrastructural or business support requirement that they'll require. But that is how far we'll go. As you can see in 2020, 2021, we spent about 23 million. And last year, we then at least pick up a little bit to 23. Uh, to, to, to 23.8 million in terms of that. But we're still keeping it at 9,500, the support that we are providing um, uh, to the SMME. We're no longer doing the 18,000 we used to do because of, like I indicated, the loss of about 34% of our revenue income due to the COVID and, and, and the looting and, and, and many other factors that affected uh, the, the, the economy. Then the next category, Chair and Honourable Members, is your informal traders. You'll recall I did indicate that the informal traders, we talk of your hawkers. Your, your hawkers who trade in the shopping malls, who trade in tax ranks, who tra- trade along the street in, 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 in towns and so forth. We also, um, in 1920, supported 1,600 at a cost of 12.8 million. But what we have done in 2020, because when we engage uh, from the various research papers we, we got from the retail chair and also our board and also our minister, we then said maybe let's rather increase while we experience the COVID-19 or whatsoever, but let's rather increase our investment uh, for these informal traders because they were the main people that were heavily, heavily, heavily affected in a sense that they will not have any uh, backup support anywhere else other than that we had now to come and increase the beneficiaries to 2,426 that we did in our 2020-20 financial year at the cost of 19.4 million. And in our 21-22, we did 2,401 at the cost of 9.2 million. That is the, 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 the type of uh, support we, we, we gave to the informal traders as we drop to SMEs, because some of our SMEs, by the way, honorable members, are guys who are in a franchise arrangement, kind of. So that is why we were, in terms of our investment strategy, we said maybe let's channel more into these informal traders than the, the, the what to call. But we spend about 8,000 per informal trader for a one-day program because they don't have a luxury of time as well to be away from their trading space, of which that 8,000, um, uh, 3,000, it goes, it, it goes to buying them stock on that day when they are off their trading space. We are able, therefore, to, to, to buy them a stock worth of 3,000, uh, because they will have attended the training. We also transport them with the, with the balance of 4,005, which is about the, the transport for them to go to where the training happens and also the training fees and as well as the material catering and everything that they require on that particular day so that it doesn't hit on their pocket when we take them away for that particular one day. So we also do that kind of support. And then, then the third category of our SMME support is the entrepreneurship development. This is the one that I, I spoke a little bit that we now have 
um, a strategic partnership that we are building as well with some of our wholesale retail companies um, because we're now uh, focusing mainly not only on providing support on through training for these entrepreneurs, but what we also do, we try as well to link them to the market in terms of the produce. So most of these entrepreneurs, some they are manufacturing their own products at a small scale, and some they are manufacturing or they are in a small scale farming, and all their produce, therefore, we try then to say, let's put you into a a a a a a a, a coding program, for an example. Um, because for us to be able to say shop right, uh, spa group or boxer, can you take the produce um, uh, from these small scanners that we have trained? They will then obviously give us the, the certain, you know, uh, requirements that they would want us as we train them. They must be meeting those particular standards in terms of the produce that they will have, they will be uh, 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 procuring from them. So we bring that um, as part of the supply development uh, uh, support program in partnership with some of these wholesale retailers because then they will know better than we'll know as a wholesale retailer sitter in terms of their codings for each and every product. If it is cabbage, if it is spinach, what are the things, what the quality, and how they should all those type of things without chair and honorable members getting into details. But however, in 1920, we did not have this as part of our strategy, the entrepreneurship development. As you can see in the presentation, there is none. But however, in our 2020-20 financial year, then we started moving into that space wherein um, we have supported about the 303, being for the first time that we're doing that, so this trend and tree um, are young people mainly and women in particular that we recruited in four of our rural provinces where you started. That was Limpopo, uh, and Northwest, the Northern Cape, um, and as well as Free State and Eastern Cape. That's where we started with this 300, wherein we recruited 50 each province and we put them into this particular entrepreneurship program. The program saw each in young person been taken through a new venture creation for about six months. And during that six months, we pay all the costs that are associated with that. And we also then, after they were uh, certificated now in a accredited certificate, we gave them 15,000 as a support, business support grant to say, therefore now, go and take this 15,000, buy stock, start your business from what we have learned. So in our, in our 2021-2022, we increased that uh, from 6.3 million that we spent to 10 million, and the beneficiaries are now 477. So the 477, 300 of those came from Eastern Cape, where we partnered with Boxer uh, Superstores. Um, these 300 small-scale farmers were recruited across the Eastern Cape, and we collaborated with the Department of Agriculture in the province. We also collaborated with the Agricultural College in the EC, and together with Boxer, we funded that as a CETA, um, where in these 300 small-scale farmers, they were trained in terms of the quality of the farming that they do, and also Boxer is then uh, putting them through the supply chain development program to sit through the produce that then they heal the boxers shelves. 
So that is a project, as you can see, it's our 21-22 financial year. We are concluding that project now uh, in December and we'll be doing the impact uh, assessment uh, in terms of that project uh, with Boxer and probably uh, next time when you come before this uh, honorable committee, we'll be able therefore to share the impact of what we are doing with Boxer already. And we also have partnered with the CTCSA. CTCSA is Consumer Good Council of South Africa that represents quite a number of our large uh, stakeholders, like your ShopRite, your, your Boxer and so forth. They are also um, uh, partnering with us to to do also the coding itself uh, in terms of the access to the market, to the SMMEs that we are identifying. Uh, we call that project shelf readiness. So I even included it here in the particular spreadsheet because it's one of the other programs that we are now starting to do and it's still at an infancy stage. But however, uh, we have, as management, uh, already approved the funding uh, uh, just two weeks ago, and we're still at the conceptualization stage with CCSA, but we are going to be having 100 more entrepreneurship uh, in this particular financial year, 22-23, which will increase the number of support that we're doing to ensure that uh, uh, CCSA, because it manages its members, it understands its members than we do, then they are going, therefore, to um, capacitate them to be able to produce whatever that they produce and be linked to, to the wholesalers and be able to have their product on the shelves of this uh, big retail organization uh, from what they will have produced. So that is, um, uh, Chair and Honorable Members, the three programs that we are doing. Obviously, I've indicated that we do have few challenges and the main issue, which is a challenge, as I, as you see all the three categories, I talk training of which is our core space as a sitter. We're comfortable with that. We know how to monitor that. We know how to provide assurance. We know how to. But the biggest challenge is the business support grant wherein we, we give this through a voucher to SMMEs. If it's an SMME, the 6,000 I was talking about, when you separated the 3,005 for training and COVID and PPEs, 6,000, some of our SMMEs do not take that money and either use it for buying, replenishing their stock or they use that money for something else. That is our biggest challenge. The informal traders that we also take away for a day and we give them the 3,000 business voucher, we also have the similar experience there wherein they don't use that voucher that we activated through our APSA bank to, to procure stock. Some, if we check in terms of the report where they, they will have the they use that for liquor in shippings and what, what. So that is the area that we're trying there for now to, to see to it how can. With entrepreneurship, we have not yet experienced that because we have started at a small scale, not at the thousands and thousands of numbers. So we are able there to at least have a control in terms of the numbers of that we're supporting uh, in as far as what they use that money for. We are comfortable there that the vouchers that we are issuing, they have been used uh, for entrepreneurship support development program for what it is intended for. And we also have um, the feedback from some of the young people and women. Uh, each time we go to um, our our conferences, we bring some of those, like if there's a CTCC conference, there is Black Business Council conference. 
So we FRA conference, we bring them in um, uh, to display some of the product that they will have um, um, uh, been supported through our entrepreneurship program. But what then are we doing as a CETA um, to address this particular issue of the misuse of the money? We have been engaging with the, the Department of Small Business Enterprise um, since COVID, and we have been raising this and say we would want to have a collaboration. And the collaborations, I'm happy to report, honorable members, that it is now coming closer to, 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 to be sealed. Uh, we've got an MOU that has now been assigned. Uh, we met with the DG uh, 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 last month and the CEO of CEDA. And we are now looking at the possibility that once we have trained, we will rather have a vehicle because CEDA has got the program of being able to have the list of accredited suppliers in a database that are also um, uh, meeting the requirement of um, the, the, the procurement of the local uh, or empowerment of the local producers and so forth. So those, that list of our wholesalers that are in that particular list of suppliers, we are looking at now a, an, an arrangement of being not giving the voucher in terms of the business support directed to our small uh, and, and, and informal traders, but rather we, we give them the voucher where they can go and redeem through stock from the list of those wholesalers that are um, um, uh, accredited. Uh, uh, through the Department of Small Business, obviously as a custodian of the small business development. So we are at an advanced stage with that. We have tried in few provinces. As we speak today, there's a session. That's why my CEO could not be joining here. The the, the Eastern Cape Economic Development is meeting with him um, uh, to, to also do that support in the Eastern, Eastern Cape. Um, we have done with the KZN Economic Development through Zimele program where we are supporting 600 and we are not giving them the money in monetary value now, but instead we are procuring through the department bulk buying and they go and then re- uh, uh, redeem the stock and, and then we pay the operator of that bulk buying uh, facility. We are also uh, as I indicated, uh, working with a few um, uh, banks and, and other service providers to look at the, the best model in terms of the fintech. That the fintech being your uh, pay cash payment system, the device, where in some of the spaza shops, as we speak here in KZN, we are already piloting that. Um, uh, I think there's about five of the 500 that now have received that particular device wherein they are going to trade whatever that they do, the stock from the, the bulk buying uh, warehouses and from the money that we pay as a CETA uh, to, for that particular stock. It doesn't therefore now go to that Spaza shop owner, but it goes through the, 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 the FinTech, uh, what to call cash payment system. They order there online, then they just go and collect the stock from accredited uh, 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 suppliers that have been identified here in KZN. So we are planning to replicate this nationally. Hence now the conversation between myself and with uh, um, uh, Mr. Mbata from um, uh, CEDA um, to just um, uh, close 
that national so that it doesn't become in one province we do this and in other provinces we still have that particular challenge. So the priorities that we have identified part of our SMM strategy, honorable members, is to focus on the five areas. We are committing as a whole central center that we will ensure that we support the SMME with training interventions. Like I indicated, this part of our annual performance plan, and we also do um, a specific partnership with various uh, uh, provincial economic development de- 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 economic develop de- economic development departments, and we are also linking up with the national department so that we are all over the country. Two, we would want it to have a coordination kind of a model with various government agencies, like I've indicated that we are already uh, at an advanced stage with CIDA um, uh, to collaborate. We also bring other CITAS uh, as well, um, uh, like the one that we are doing now here in, in, in KZN and the one we're doing in Eastern Cape. We're collaborating with the local government CITA for the hawkers because they regulate the licensing of most of the hawkers and some of the spaza shops. So we're collaborating with them. And priority three, we will be focusing on the rural-based enterprises. Like I've indicated that the entrepreneurship we go as we do the Eastern Cape with Boxer now. We are deep, 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 deep in the uh, uh, rural uh, part of the Eastern Cape province. We have done that in the in the in the in the Northern Cape, your Pohopeh area up until Appington. So that is our strategic focus in terms of the priority number two, number three that we're looking at to be biased towards the rural base uh, uh, enterprises. Then priority number four, part of our strategy is to ensure we avail information um, and then and, and whoever institution, including this honorable committee, for whatever information that you'll want from our SPP reports, the impact assessment studies that we have done, we are willing to share with you uh, so that you also then uh, assist in terms of the oversight, in terms of the inputs that you will want to uh, make. And priority number five, we would want as a whole central center um, uh, focus also or emphasize the issue of career guidance because the, the, the career, the career guidance in, in the SMME development space is not been taken, um, or given the attention it deserves. So we are putting up program there for now, wherein through one of the elite program that we are doing, that is called international leadership development program, where we're taking the executive of the sector, um, uh, into into a, a, a one-year program um, at NQF level eight, and the uh, is an exchange program in a way because they spend a part of their training program. They spend some time with um, um, uh, uh, one country in Asia, one country in in African continent, and one country in 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 in, 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 in the Western uh, world that is either Canada or whatsoever. Where in they sit with other uh, big retail companies in this particular continent and they share the experience and so forth. So we bring those, once they graduate, this executive from the sector, we bring them in also, therefore, to assist with the career guidance and the career parting support within the SMME as we pro- 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 produce uh, this particular entrepreneurs and so forth, so that it doesn't become just for us to train but then they not having any ambitions or any knowledge in terms of how, what was the secret of PEP, PEPCO as a group 
where it started and why it ended there. So that is where now we are focusing mainly in terms of priority number five to also ensure that these challenges that uh, we have identified generally, they are addressed by putting relevant investment in terms of this. Chairperson and honorable members, I will, I will pause there. And um, if there are questions for clarity and further inputs, I'm more than therefore uh, willing to make notes of further inputs uh, because as a CETA, we are uh, not perfect, but rather we, 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 we accept any inputs that comes and interrogate them and align them in terms of our strategy and our mandate so that next time we are better than we were uh, uh, the day before. I will pause the chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Mr. Shuba. The only interesting game you are referring to 2019 to 1920 before even our forefathers were born. So I was just laughing while you were presenting. <laughs> but thanks for the good presentation. <laughs> I, I, I think. I think he did not notice that, but in 1920, you would like to be released. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to request members to engage with your presentation and then we'll zoom to the second one so that we will give you that space. So honorable members, here is the presentation, a very interesting one. I'm only worried about those who are given vouchers will will do something else rather than to do what they are supposed to do. But it was good. It is empowering us as the portfolio committee. Since I have said it, it has been long overdue that we're waiting for this information. So thank you so much. I would now allow my colleagues to interact with the, the presentations. Interestingly, about the five priorities which are put before us, I believe they will empower us moving forward doing oversight. Yes, the issue of COVID floods as well as unrest is a thorny issue which uh, we believe it will take time, but we appreciate also your intervention in this regard. Honorable members, here we are. Can we interact with the with the presentation? We'll show by raising up of our hands, and then King will identify those hands for me. I've got a little bit problem of a network. Sometimes I'm kicked out, so we'll guard against that. Over to you. There's a hand from a. Uh, Honorable Kruger and uh, Honorable uh, yes. so far. Okay. All right. In that order, Honorable Kruger, can you come in, please? Thank you, Ma'am Chair, and um, appreciation for the um, presentation. It was very informative. Ma'am Chair, my history with skill development started many, many years ago with a services sector. And they had a program 
or, or, or they intend to start a program um, called New Venture Creation. And I was one of the group, um, very first group, that actually put this whole program together um, for um, entrepreneurs, especially for small businesses. And, um, and you know, I was a bit worried why the services CETA, but, but I think on that stage it was the only CETA that was willing to take the risk um, in, and go into the new venture creation or, let's call it, um, entrepreneurship um, development. Now, um, for, for, for many years, and it's more than 100 years, there's a debate about entrepreneurship. Is it a skill or is it um, knowledge? Now, don't ask me um, the answer. Um, I'm still struggling with it. And uh, I think um, many, many times about it, because if it's a skill, then um, you can't train it. I mean, you, then you can just sharpen the pencil. If it's just knowledge, um, then, of then of course we can, can train it. Look at it as a piano player. If you, if you can't play piano, uh, nobody can train you to play a piano, but they can help you to improve your skill. It's a talent. The one is a talent and the one is just uh, knowledge. So, of course, I was also involved in the early 2000s in, in training um, youngsters to become entrepreneurs. And, and we saw a few uh, on the slide, we saw a few um, figures there of how much the... Um, V and R, W and R CETA or, uh, spend on skill development and on certain students. Now, in the early 2000s, for a learnership to go on to this new venture creation program, it cost um, 50,000 rand, first of all, for the um, it was like a, a, a guest employer for the employment of this. Um, another 50,000 plus minus for the trainer. And then, of course, the learner also received a stipend of about 1,800. So you can see government um, tried to spend a lot of money on um, developing uh, entrepreneurial skills. Unfortunately, I don't know. Um, what happened to the program here yeah, in the 2010? I actually got lost in skill development, and um, it, uh, you know, and I don't know if the service sitter are still the champions of the new venture creation program, but um, I think still that is the way we must go. And uh, so, my point is. Um, I think we must start, and, and, and I want to propose that we must actually start a small business uh, um, CETA because uh, this CETAs involved in big business um, don't know the ins and outs of, of small businesses. And if you look at the presentation as well, um, it's evident that um, they're busy um, giving 
small business a fish instead of teaching them how to catch a fish. So, um, so it's a bit of a, a, a catch 22 situation, but we need, uh, not just to throw money, um, behind small businesses, but definitely, um, get, develop the talent, um, for them to run a business. Now, also, if you look at double dipping, and I mean, we all know there's a lot of double dipping going on. If you just look at the small scale farmers that was mentioned, I mean, the Department of Agriculture got a program for small scale farmers, uh, small business development department got a program for um, small scale farmers, and um, the CETA also have a program on, on, on small business development. And if you look at the, 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 the bigger picture, 70% of our small businesses fail in the first year. I mean, that is statistics from, from DTI. So recording in progress. That, that, that stays a problem. And most of the money that government spent years, because remember, there's a difference in developing a small business and developing the entrepreneur. I mean, it's, it's two different concepts. But government spent a lot of money um, developing small business. And, um, and most of those money, most of those rands land in the pockets of consultants and advisors. And it's not my, it's, it's, it's not my research. I mean, we already um, had people giving us presentations about that. And I think there is a, uh, you know, there is definitely information that this happened. So, Mabchi, what I want to uh, propose is, and, and beg from the minister, I don't know if she's still on, uh, that we must move away from a CETA that, that gets most of its money from big business in any case. So for sure, uh, a lot of their budget will go towards um, big business and train their staff and train their people. Let's start a small business um, CETA because CETAs are there to develop skills. It's a skills development um, uh, platform. And we need, the problem in South Africa is we don't have enough entrepreneurs, although we spent millions and millions. I mean, we saw the, 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 the presentation. We spent millions and millions on small business. And unfortunately, in the first year or first, second year, um, because we don't spend that money on entrepreneurial activities and entrepreneurial skills. So, ma'am, again, um, I propose that the, the minister go to the minister of education and we start a small business um, CETA so that we can concentrate just on small business because small business entrepreneurs got a much different skill than the CEO of Checkers or Pick and Pay or so on. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Honorable Kruger. Thank you, Honorable Kruger. Honorable 
Devilius. Uh, King, you will update me if if ever we have got new hands. Thanks, Honorable Kruger. Uh, I believe uh, the department is here to listen to you. I heard you properly. We must not spend more money to consultants, but rather concentrate on small business because that's where skills are needed, if I heard you well. Thank you so much. Honorable De Villiers. Thank you very much, Chairperson, and um, nice to see you and all my colleagues here online. Um, I really want to thank the, the WNR CETA for the presentation. Um, as a relatively new member of this committee, I was not aware that the Department of um, Education has got a, a CETA that actually operates in the in the wholesale and retail sector. And I mean, I guess there could be a discussion of why they are situated within the, the Department um, of Higher Education and Training Department and not seated within the Small Business Development Agency itself, because it does seem like that's what they do. They focus on SMMEs. But nonetheless, I think it's more important that the, the work gets done than that we have debates around where the department should be. Um, just as, just two or three comments and then um, two questions for clarity. Um, I think in a, in a country like South Africa where we have um, 31% unemployment, um, probably closer to actually 40% unemployment if you if you count those that are still that have given up looking for jobs. Um, and if you take into account the vast amount of unsk- unskilled um, uh, job seekers out there, then I think any program that seeks to just uh, teach um, entrepreneurs and their employees, small businesses, um, basic skills to make people more employable and to make business- businesses more resilient, um, then hey, I'm definitely a-, a fan of that and I will definitely support that. Um, uh, without knowing exactly what this department does and how these programs have impact, it does seem that they um, they have quite a wide reach. And I was impressed to see the the, the metrics and all of the different uh, um, the numbers of the businesses that they have worked with. I'm also really impressed to see that they have worked in partnership with Boxer, because I think ultimately working with uh, the someone like the Boxer Supermarket Group. Um, gives the the government department, who are not retailers, um, access and skills into how retailers operate, into how how to transfer those skills more effectively to to the small retailers that need it, the small SMEs that need it. Um, Because ultimately, Boxer understands much better than than any government department what skills are necessary and how they should be taught, because that's what they do. Um, so I love that the, the the fact that they do that 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 you guys do that. Um, I would just like to to to, to also say that I think um, you know if if we look at uh, the the history of black economic empowerment um, as an absolute failure of a policy to to try and empower the masses, and we don't need to debate this. We can just look at the unemployment figures, our economic growth figures, um, and 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 see that BEE is a failed policy. Um, uh, what we need in this country is exactly, is, is this sort of empowerment. True empowerment is when we, is not when we enrich a black elite um, and make them richer and richer and richer. 
True empowerment is when we go down to people who are unemployed and unskilled and we actually skill them and we teach them to run businesses and we actually empower on the ground, not in the boardrooms and in the um, rich restaurants and uh, and give people give people who are already rich, just make them more richer. That can surely not be empowerment. So I support what the department is doing. I think this is a real empowerment not the failed BE policies which we've seen um, in this country. Um, I've got two questions. I want to just understand, does, does a, um, a, a, a small business voluntarily sign up and pay levies um, to be part of the WNR CETA? Um, and if so, what? just an indication of if you're like a small little Spaza shop, what would your levy be? I just want to understand the financial implication of it, because it does seem like you need to be part of the CETA to gain access to the programs of the CETA. Um, and then um, I just want to also, um, oh, yes, I just also want to want to ask, um, if you are part of the CETA, how do you get approval for this training? Is it is it as simple as I'm now part of the CETA, so I I can qualify for 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 any of the training programs, or do you have um, prerequisites? How do you decide who gets the training? Okay, thank you very much, Chairperson. That's all from me. Thank you, thank you, Honourable Devilius. King, do we have any other hand? Yes, Chair, we've got the end from uh, uh, Honorable Matulela, yes. which is which will be followed by Honorable April. And uh, there was also a hand from Honorable Jacobs. I think Honorable Jacob has got a problem with network because it keeps on kicking him in and out, but fights Matulela and uh, Honorable April. Okay, Honorable Matulela, over to you, please. Thank you, Chair. Uh, sorry for, 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 for the delay. Thank you very much for the presentation from CETA. Uh, mine is very short and simple. Uh, we can see that uh, they are doing uh, very well. They are doing something there. Uh, but my concern is... Um, we need to we need we need to 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 to, to publish uh, these uh, efforts that they are doing because you know when you are going to constituencies people they don't know about this uh, program that is being done by Showbrite and uh, some men people they are struggling they more especially the hawkers hawkers and the Hawkers and the and and the, the 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 street vendors, all of those people that have informal traders, they don't have information. You know, we are we having these programs that are being done, but let's hope, but we are going to do our own oversight as well uh, to check because the presentation is general. We don't know where exactly these programs, uh, because I've heard that 
There are many programs that are being done for informal traders and, and these small businesses. But I don't know if is this done uh, or in, in, in the whole South Africa or there are some parts where the, the, the CETA did not reach uh, because there are some places, there are some places which they never have any help from the department, any help from this report that we are having. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair. I just wanted to know if they can indicate where exactly uh, in the Eastern Cape, where exactly in KZN, there is Spingo that we were there together with you. There are some places that they never touched. It can be correct that we generalize uh, what was happening, what has happened, or what uh, the help that has been done, and and calling it an Eastern Cape Gandhi. It's only happened in Umtad, but the whole Eastern Cape did not receive anything. Same applies with all regions, with all province, because also Vembe is neglected shame. There's nothing there. So maybe we will get something saying that in the Eastern Cape, somewhere, this township, where where exactly these things happened? Because the presentations are very general. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable. I think they've noted that during their introduction background, they indicated that they are in nine provinces, but it is it will be good indeed to hear where they are located so that it assists us while doing our oversight. Uh, Honorable April, the stage is yours. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Let me take this opportunity to welcome the presentation that has been made by the by the CETA. It's indeed heartwarming to hear about the work that they have been doing in supporting uh, uh, businesses, uh, if you, even if it's small businesses uh, or bigger, uh, 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 medium-sized businesses, as it were. Chairperson, let me start by, uh, after acknowledging now this presentation, I am very deeply disappoint- disappointed in uh, Honorable Yanda Villiers that would come here and speak about a BEE failed policy and talk about a black elite that keeps on getting richer, but he mentions nothing about the white elite that has been in charge of the economy, still sitting on the bulk of the money that is the, the, in this economy and doing absolutely nothing to empower the small black business. Blacks are the majority in this country, and if you are going to uh, disrespect black people, you are not going to do it in this portfolio committee and uh, represent the in- only white, in- narrow white interest as you have been doing. So I am cautioning you on the side of uh, not being racial when you are going to present here, because when you govern, you don't govern only for white people or only for black people, you govern for South Africans. So you must watch when you are going to mention these things. Uh, Chairperson, uh, I would like to, to, to say the collaboration that is signed in uh, the MOU one would like to get a little bit more information from the seems like the camera is dirty. More information. What does this MOU contain? Um, how does this MOU benefit the the, the small businessmen? Um, I am also very happy to hear about the suppliers 
that will form part uh, the 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 suppliers that will form part of the shop initiative. I like to check. The president announced a thousand products. Is those thousand products? Is some of those products going to be uh, made part of the of, of of the supply that will be there for 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 Shoprite and so forth? And then, I am very very happy about the rural based enterprises. What specific names of Bukhuberg and Upinton, which I know is in a very small province on the outcasts, and uh, not a lot of economic activity is happening there. But it feels good to hear that uh, indeed there's work that is being done there. And finally, one would want to speak to the the international uh, the, the the international um, this international training or guidance for SMMEs. I want to be clarified: who is this? Uh, is it for staff of that of of CIFA or is it for uh, entrepreneurs or who's that for? You you must know uh, the backbone of our economy rest on small businesses and one would want to to check with us uh, if the services CETA or the it's not the w uh, the retail and uh, CETA is how far are they with regards to uh, make uh, i know that there's a skills development levy that is paid by bigger businesses but the smaller businesses uh, a, a, a SMME many of them it uh, doesn't doesn't comply, and what help are they giving to make sure that compliance happens even on that level? Uh, I thank you, thank you, Chairperson. I I'm done. Thank you, Honorable April, Honorable Jacobs. I are you ready? Chair, I think let's start with uh, Honorable Tromelang. Okay. Because, uh, Honorable Jacob, it's not if it's uh, still struggling. Okay, we can okay. start with Honorable Tromelang. Honorable Tromelang, breathe. Uh, thank you, you, thank you, Chair. I hope I'm audible, Chair. You are clearly. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you, and good morning to colleagues and the department, department, and also the presenters. Chair, let me also welcome the presentation that has been done uh, this morning. However, Chair, I just want to follow on what my colleagues have been saying, that I think we all agree that uh, small business is key to job creation, and we must also refer to it as a, as a that can play a role in an economy of the of the country as one of the drivers. But my concern, Chair, we know that uh, RWCTA is expected to give skills to small businesses, but my concern remains, Chair, to the informal and uh, small businesses, as uh, Honorable Kruger have already indicated. I just want to check how do they reach out, because most of the advert that they are doing, they are doing it online. And we have uh, rural areas where we have small businesses and informal uh, traders that are struggling to get access, uh, to get information about their trainings. And in other like provinces, I don't think that offices of CITA are more visible as it is expected to be. What is it that they, they are doing to help those small businesses who can't even log in to get information? Because nowadays, we rely more on technology. What is it that they are doing to reach out to those that are challenged uh, technologically? Secondly, have they 
uh, recorded the progress that they have made uh, let me say since from last year until this year about the small businesses and informal businesses that they have uh, capacitated are they doing well what is it that they are intending do they have time that they have limited to take them through so that when they leave those small businesses they are able to stand on their own because i'm also agreeing that the small businesses must be empowered to do this on the their own. And the challenge, honestly, uh, of WGP remains a concern. And the other thing is, we can't just keep quiet to say, when we have programs like your CETA programs, the information does not reach anybody. Do they have a, a, just a simple approach that they can use to reach anybody, especially in informal and S, in uh, SMMEs? Because some are in rural areas, they don't get information in time, but already they have passions because there are things that they are doing, but they don't have capacity to register to get information when they are training. So I wanted to check. And the difference between the skills programs and the skill programs and the leadership that is offering, how do they intend to take far those SMMEs and the, the informal businesses, Chair? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Somelang. Uh, King, another hand. Is there any other hand? can give uh, Honorable Jacobs. Okay, Honorable Jacobs, welcome back home. Thank you, Chair, and greetings to all the all the members. And uh, we want to say thank you to Mr. Choba for a good presentation. I want to just um, uh, just make some preliminary remarks on the on some of the issues. I think, uh, first of all, we can't have a separate small business CETA. If we understand the legislation, uh, we need levy payers to to have a small business CETA. Uh, but what I'd rather want us to suggest, and maybe they do have it, is to have a small business chamber uh, in the wholesale retail sector. I hear Honorable Kruger saying that we should do it separately, but if you understand the skills levy, it's only the levy-paying uh, sectors uh, that can establish um, a sector training authority, which is a CETA. Um, so I think it's probably better that we, I hear him saying that we need dedicated support and focus for um, for small business, but uh, we probably could do a small business uh, chamber. Um, I also want to respond to uh, Honorable De Valius when he says that broad-based black economic empowerment is a failure. I think uh, he, he's right. He has a right to his opinion, but that's incorrect. We come from a, a past uh, where economic apartheid is still the order of the day. And if we don't legislate, we will ensure that the haves will continue to have, and then they will only throw the crumbs back to the people that have not. So we need to ensure that broad-based black economic empowerment is properly imp- uh, implied. Yes, there was many times where white companies um, bribe and corrupt the political elites for them to to take uh, um, small deals. But I think what we, we talk about when we talk about broad-based black economic empowerment is genuine empowerment of our townships, of our rural, of our women, of our youth, and uh, of the workers. They must also be part of the ownership 
uh, of the economic uh, uh, empowerment. So we still believe that the majority of South Africans, which is poor, black, colored, Indian, South Africans, and also white, have you, uh, should also benefit from uh, this, uh, this, this, uh, this policy. Um, and we need to, because if we don't have this policy in place, white companies will continue mm-hmm. to maintain white privilege. And I think what we need is that focus. So I just thought it's important to put our voice in the room so that we don't distort this debate about broad-based black economic empowerment. Chair, let me respond to, to some of the, the presentation issues. I, like I said, I think it's a, we are very impressed with wholesale and retail, with the work that they've done. I think uh, part of our job is to look at oversight. And so we want to uh, find out, Mr. Schober, in all of your provinces, are the beneficiaries. We, we also want to hear from the beneficiaries. Because you say you spend 8,000 rand per informal trader, which is quite a, a, a good amount. And I, I really like the projects and programs that you're doing. But I think there is room for improvement. Uh, you say of that three, of 8,000 rand, 3,000 of that goes for them to buy stock. So uh, if, we, if, we, if we put more money in the hands of informal traders and less money in the hands of service providers, I think that's Honorable Kruger's point. Then it could go a long way. So we would want that the majority of the monies that we spend on informal traders and small micro businesses go into their hands. Because it can't be we pay 8,000 rand for a training uh, for someone to come in and then tomorrow they don't have the stock or they don't have the capability. And someone else is benefiting from this. They also have a slogan which says nothing about us without us. So there is an organization called the South African Informal uh, Traders Association, SAITA. Then there's also an organization based in Johannesburg, um, I think in, in Durban, uh, Street, StreetNet, which is also an informal traders organization. And then here in the Western Cape, we have a informal economy development forum. So these structures are structures that actually are represented by informal traders. They uh, have their own structure, their own constitution. And so I'd want to encourage wholesale readers to work with the relevant people, with the communities on the, on the ground, with the informal traders associations in all our areas. I think what we would want to do is, Chair, is just to see how that partnership can grow. Um, you raise many, many opportunities for, for, for small businesses. I think the one thing that we'd want to see is how do we get the big uh, big retail companies also through the wholesale retailers to partner because we experienced a lot of bullying from these these companies. Then we also like the idea that you're having with the fintech. I think it's important that we get our small businesses also fintech solutions and these card machines because um, cash sometimes is a hindrance. So I'd like to, if you can expand more, are you helping them with giving this, I think it's a, a, a corner machines or I don't know what's the name, but you help them to access these cards so that everybody can tap. Even if I go to a walker, I can tap my, my, my machine and I can give him his money and so it can be cashless. That is a good uh, initiative. So, uh, Chair, those are some of my initial comments. I think... Uh, we will have to study the wholesale retail's uh, presentation, 
There's a lot of money going through. I'd also want to hear if there's partnerships. We must continue the work that wholesale rate, retail is doing, but with other partners. So I'm encouraging them to do partners with small business associations, with the department, with government departments, with helping um, also getting big retailers in. But they must keep up the good work. There is areas of room for improvement. And they must share and showcase examples where wholesale and retail is making impact. But come to our rural areas, come to our townships and work with, with this department or this portfolio committee. We want to be part of the journey of helping and making accessible for all our people. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Honorable Jacobs. Thanks, uh, Honorable Shova. Some were comments, some were questions for clarity seeking um, purposes. Uh, I'll hand over to you to respond to such so that you can be released at this platform. Thank you. Thank you, Chair and, and, and Honorable Members. I think I've tried to to capture as much possible. And as you correctly put it, some comments, some um, uh, questions. Maybe let me start with, um, um, where do I start? Maybe let me start with um, uh, the last uh, comments and um, uh, an advice from Honorable Jacobs. Then I'll go um, towards the, the first uh, questions and comments that were raised by um, uh, the first uh, honourable member. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's yes, indeed, we we are um, collaborating with Saita. I will start there. Saita, as we speak, chair and honourable members, we have in the last uh, two years. We have allocated them not less than 300 um, uh, learners. When I say 300 learners, that's how we determine the investment because we do the headcount in terms of the payment we do. So we do collaborate with, um, uh, with Saita. Um, um, just now in April uh, this year, I've just attended the graduation for this 300. It's only women who are GPV. Um, uh, victims um, who participate in that program. And about eight provinces are participating in that particular program um, that we are funding with SAITA, wherein also your Woolworths and Truets have come on board um, to, 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 to give whatever production that comes from their produce that is not to the standard that it will require of them to put it on their shelves. So they will then take that particular uh, uh, product and they will also have the, the material that they use in the textile that they will give to these women who come across from eight provinces who are doing all this textile at a small scale, but then they get the, the, that material that is not meeting the minimum requirement that the truets will require. Then they get to to train them, and then try to come back later, and 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 also give them the the type of training that 
in terms of the sewing and so forth, so that they produce that they do, even if the standard will not have been the standard will, that will meet the true words and the wool words, but still they produce, they can still be able to sell to the market uh, at a reasonable price and be able to sustain themselves. Just on the 4th of, of October, uh, next month, I'm meeting with the South African Trade Association that Eleanor Jacob spoke about in Cape Town. We actually met um, uh, uh, as part of the informal economy, wherein they have a representation of about 5,000 informal traders across the country. So we are meeting now uh, at the tank level now, because when we met earlier this year, we were still doing the MOU which answers the question about the MOU, what this MOU entails. Basically, the MOUs that we enter into with, as a CETA with a number of strategic partners, it, 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 it regulates the, the sharing of information between ourselves and them. And two, it also um, uh, regulates the implementation of whatever programs that we're going to be implementing in terms of us being able to talk through them if you want to give out, if you want to have access to their members. And the third area of the MOUs that we enter into, obviously, is to avoid um, 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 uh, the issue of the duplication, um, which was, 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 was made as a comment earlier on, for an example, in the Eastern Cape project that we do. Yes, there is a cash. The reason we enter into MOUs is because we will want to avoid the, the double dipping um, in a sense that um, um, agriculture might come and, and perform certain function in the support that we provide. And we as a CETA, we can provide the funding for training um, of the business related um, and agriculture will then fund the technical training in terms of the small scale farmers and the economic development and the district municipality through its agency uh, will then um, also uh, ensure that there is no double dipping in terms of the beneficiaries. And when we do all these MOUs, we go to as far as also in involving the traditional leaders, because in the rural development space, you will want to have a rural um, a development that is responsive to the needs of that particular rural community. And the only vehicle that is most effective is to work through the, the, the traditional leadership that is there, which is able also to, by the way, assist the CETA in terms of who should be with limited resources, who should be in the program, because they will ideally know that in the community that they, they rule, um, which household has no one with no income and which household is family-headed. So they will always guide in terms of that particular process. But that is high level why we enter into the memorandum of understanding, just to have an understanding with the various agencies, the various government departments, and the various sectors so that we avoid the issue of double dipping, um, which obviously impacts on the, the resources that uh, gets to be used um, uh, in one area uh, wherein um, for an example, we, we, will have, we will have invested in a certain municipality, in a certain uh, uh, area in that municipality. But if we're not having these strategic MOUs, would be almost um, uh, 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 
you know, reinvesting in, in people that are already um, benefiting in one way or the other. So we, we do work with uh, also the Black Business Council. We do work with also uh, NAFCOC in terms of the informal traders. I'm just a chair and honorable members responding the question of the MOU, but also addressing some of the questions that have been asked. Why people in the Vembe area uh, will not know who are in the informal trading space. So we, we, we don't recruit as a sitter. Maybe I must just emphasize that, Chair. We don't recruit uh, in terms of whatever programs that we're doing, the beneficiaries directly. What we do, we obviously, in terms of the informal traders, let me unpack that a little bit. Informal traders, yes, obviously, we need to comply to the PFMA by giving everyone an opportunity in terms of um, sub- submitting their grant applications. We'll go out there and applications will, will, be, will, be, will, be, will be received. But what we do from my office is to ensure that each and every province has got the equal budget so that there's no province that has got more budget than the other. So the, the, the 2,400 and something that you see in terms of the informal traders, uh, like in this current financial year, just to be precise, 23, 20, 22, 23 financial year, my budget for informal traders is 2,700 to support in, the next, in this financial year. So each and every province, I've given them 270. Hence, I indicated we've got 10 provinces because of how they've been split into two. So I just divided that 2,700 so that each province will have the equal number of 270 itemate or informal traders to support. Now, what then happens is obviously because each and every province, we've got a provincial office in Pulukwane, in Limpopo, we've got a provincial office in Pulukwane. But we also have a CETA office through the three TVET colleges in Limpopo so that we also get to be as close as possible we can to our stakeholders. In Lipalale, we've got an office with an official who goes there at uh, what to call uh, uh, twice, two days a week, just to interact with our stakeholders, the learners, whoever that is our beneficiary in that uh, part of the province in the Waterberg district. And then you will also have We've got an office in the in the in in the Tsanin, uh, yeah, for example, with Litaba Tivet College that serves the Greater Vembe and the Tivet and the, and the Mopani district, just to ensure that we are as 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 visible and accessible as much possible we can. And then and then the rest of the provinces, we've got offices. You come to KZN, we've got offices in Machuba Tivet College in the Newcastle area where you've got an official. You go to um, 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 uh, your Mkanyagute your, your area, and then you go to Western Cape, you go to Eastern Cape, you've got the office at Ingwe and the Alfred Nzo district, uh, where in, uh, even if the provincial office is in East London, but we've got CETA official who's present in the Alfred Nzo district to service both Alfred Nzo um, and, and the surrounding district. And then you go to um, a, a, a PE area, we, we've got an office, a satellite office there that covers the whole P area and so forth and so forth with the rest of the provinces. Just to answer the question of how are we feasible? Obviously, uh, in terms of the, the administration of the CETA business, the, the regulations or the act or the levies act only gives 10% of the levies that we get to use for our administration. So that means 
um, we, we, we cannot be in every municipality, in every township, because we are limited in terms of what can we use from the levies that we get, of which is only 10%, which, which covers our salaries, our overheads in terms of office and everything. It comes from that limited budget. But however, because of the relationship with the TVET colleges, since they report in the same uh, uh, department of higher education and training, the minister has then published regulation that allowed us to use the offices in the TVET colleges so that we can be closer to as much possible to our stakeholders we can. But then we also have now the CETs. The CETs that they are spread across all the nine provinces with centers, with almost about 256 centers in the whole country. So we also now working with them and we've started with a program of putting funding in those CETs to renovate those centers because some of those centers are your old schools that are dilapidated, are churches that were donated to them. And as Holstein Hotel Center, we have started in our 2020-2021 financial year with the CET program, wherein um, um, we are uh, giving them a funding of 5 million, each CET, all the nine CETs, to renovate some of those centers for the reason that we wanted to use some of those community centers because they are very close uh, into the most rural part of the provinces and we wanted to, to be accessible. As I indicated, that part of our strategy also for SME is to go your rural enterprise, uh, uh, what to call model, but however, we're still capacitating our presence through a partnership with the CETs that we're capacitating in terms of renovating some of the centers wherein if we are having a sitter presence in a Tibet college, but then in a deep rural area, in a Mukwase area, maybe in the, in the Rustenburg area, we will have a center that we are now funding, renovating, and we are buying mobile class, some of those centers, so that while they do their own community education training programs for the benefit of the country and the rest of other 21 sitters, but however, also ourselves as a wholesale retail center, if we've got the informal traders that will want to support in that rural area, obviously, as I indicated, the budget that we allocate for each province, it will also enable the provincial manager in that province to know that um, I, I would like to, to have um, um, uh, certain beneficiaries coming from this particular area. But then the question is, where are you going to train them, these informal traders, at least the collaborations uh, through strengthening the centers from the CETs is also going to be very helpful for the wholesale and retail center. But just when I was indicating that we do not necessarily recruit the hawkers by, directly by ourselves, but what then we do after we have uh, set aside the budget for each province, obviously your SAITA organization of this world uh, do apply, do respond to the grant applications. And in the applications, they will normally apply on behalf of their members and they will give you a, a, a split in terms of where their members are in all the 10 provinces or 10 provincial offices in terms of numbers, what they will have applied. NAFCOC also does apply. Um, Black Business Council also do apply as an association that looks at the interest of this subsector for our wholesale and retail. And we also do have um, the agencies in municipalities that also apply directly because if, when we, we publish our grant application, 
We don't say training providers. We say these are the grant applications and they are meant for associations. They are meant for agencies. That is why you come to Eastern Cape, the one for Boxer now chair. For Boxer, we, we, Alfred and Zod Development Agents applied on behalf of the informal traders in the district. And however, because we had the limited resources, they applied for a thousand and then we could only then approve the 300 and then we brought in Boxer. And that is how the collaboration that is happening. So it's a, the CETA will then enter into a contract with Alfred and Zo that is looking at the informal traders in their district. Uh, in terms of how they split them across the district, the municipality, maybe recruiting 50 there, 20 there and so forth. But it will have been that type of a collaboration. So that is how we make sure that we reach out to as much possible informal traders in terms of what we do. And then the issue of the, the cost, a lot of money going to consultants. Um, um, I, I, I agree with the uh, 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 honorable member when he was raising the issue that when the sitters started, there's been a looting of the, 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 the sitters. One must just indicate where um, um, uh, there were trainings that were overpriced. Uh, for an example, he was given an example of a new venture creation costing about 50000 that goes to a trainer. So as years uh, goes by, obvious as sitters, we then took certain responsibilities because by then um, the, the training costs were too high because they also involved the development of the learning material um, and, and, and also the facilitation, assessment, and so forth. But what we have since done as wholesale retail CETA over years was therefore also to put aside a budget wherein if we talk informal traders and SMME, we had procured the development of the learning material so that when we appoint Alfred Enzo or when we partner with uh, NAFCOC, we partner with Saita, we partner with uh, Limpopo Retailers Federation, I even know them by heart in each and every province. You come KZN, we have partnered with KZN um, um, Retailers Association together with the provincial department and they bring all their members. Uh, um, um, Obviously, we will fund a certain number each year and then next year, and then we take another group. But all what I'm saying, Chair and Honourable Members, is that we have then since taken the responsibility from the CETA side to procure the learning material so that we are able to regulate the content of what training is going to be about. And uh, secondly, we ensure that the pricing, it doesn't go to whoever that apply and cost and charge the CETA exorbitant fees. But instead, rather because we have procured the material, we then give the material for free to whoever that we will have appointed. If we have appointed Saita to train 300, and by the way, we don't appoint one person. We appoint a lot of association, a lot of agencies from one province to the other that we have come on board to assist us with the implementation. But we then give them the CETA-funded material that they can use to train all what they do They pay for the venue because sometimes we do not have control for the venue. They pay for catering. They pay for printing because we don't give them the printing. uh, But with the content and the material is developed at the cost of the CETA. And then also to transport those informal traders. We we don't have capacity as a CETA to to manage that. That's why we will then, if you talk informal traders, the 8,000 I was talking about, you will then find that about 
um, uh, 6,000 to 7,000, 6,000 maybe to be precise, 5,000 to 6,000 will go strictly to all these logistics because they needed to, if there's a municipality, some they come from the other part of municipality, they will need to organize, transport them to one venue, they will need to cater for them, they will need to do quite a number of event management uh, that they needed to do. But then the training will only be for 3,000 rand, um, and of which, yes, of course, we take that as a feedback that it might still be too much. But however, the the, the learnership for SMME from uh, Honorable Babalwa, the, for our strategy and the research we've done in our experience over years, we have realized that we can't do learnership and a skills program uh, for your informal traders, because your informal traders, like I said, are your street vendors. They don't have a luxury of time because a skills program takes a minimum of four months in full training to a maximum of six months. And so we, we part of our strategy, we do not, we're not creating uh, street vendors. These are people who are trading. These are people, some of us, we are what we are today because our parents have been in that particular space. So they know what they are doing. All what they lack is your financial management, uh, bookkeeping, and all these basic things. And that is why when we, when, when we train them, we only do a one-day training for them, and that is non-credit bearing. Because if it's going to be a skills program, they will not have that luxury to be away from their training space for four months minimum. And so it's obviously with leadership. Leadership are 12 months. So they will not. That is why leadership will only do leadership for unemployed young people that will place with our well-established retailers because there is capacity there. And there are other regulations that regulate the, 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 the leadership wherein you need to comply in terms of the workplace uh, placement in terms of 70% and 80% in the classroom to do that, to look at the theoretical training. So the SMME informal traders or street vendors, we only do the non-credit bearing. It's a one-day course wherein we teach them basic things about doing their financials, the bookkeeping and so forth and so forth. And each and every year, we try to not, not to go to the same municipality in each province. We will rotate so that we benefit as many possible we can in terms of that. And then the issue of the, the, the difference between, um, okay, maybe let me address the boxer maybe a little bit, where in Eastern Cape. In Eastern Cape, where we have partnered with boxer, we are in the Alfred Inzo uh, a district municipality, um, and, and the, the recruitment was done through uh, uh, the, the, the agency, and we also work with Inkosupategile, to also recruit some of the SMMEs that are outside the Alfred Inzo, because that was his request to also bring in people in as far as uh, 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 outside the Umtata area, you are Batawet and so forth. So we've tried to reach as, as, as much possible uh, 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 the beneficiaries in that particular area. So, but then the difference to the levies and 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 and, and, and the levies that we received and who or how our informal traders or business obviously uh, participate in the applications or in the support programs that we are doing. The, 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 the levies that we get, maybe let me start the chain, honorable members. We only get 1% of the total, total annual pay, pay, pay bill. That is the regulation in terms of who contributes to levies. It's an act. It's a levies act. Uh, any company that has got a, a total turnover of above 500,000 per annum, 
is required in terms of the Levis Act of 1999 to contribute 1% towards skills development. But then companies that have got an annual pay bill of less than 500,000 per annum, they are levy exempted from uh, participating. But however, as sitters, we therefore need also to set aside some funding to also support them, and which is mainly the SMMEs, majority of those. So this majority of these informal traders that are levy exempt, we support them, obviously, from the 5% of our levies that seeks to address the national imperatives. Because 80% of our levies will go to a discretionary grant where we fund bursaries, we fund artisanal programs, we fund internships, we fund quite many other programs, the training of the reskilling of the employees, your tariffs for those that are retrenched. We're very big in terms of the discretionary grant from the levies at point of view to support the levy payers to benefit from skills development. Then, then the, the, the 20% is the one that we take 10% for CETA administration. Then the other 10% is split between 5% that goes to non-levy contributors, which is mainly these SMMEs. Then away we will go and say, let's also support you in terms of what we have. And then the other 5% is the, uh, is the money that goes to the National Skills Fund, also to fund the National Skills Fund program because they also assist with the issue of unemployment uh, through the Department of uh, 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 Employment and, and Labor. So that is how the levies are split in terms of what we, we receive and how we then allocate. So I think that is um, a high-level chair and members. The rest are comments that we have, we have taken note of. But however, in terms of the new venture creation, yes, um, previously, Services CETA was at the forefront of new venture creation. But just after uh, 2019-2020, um, we then um, realized having done new venture creation years and years and years, but we're still not impacting the issue of the unemployment, um, addressing the unemployment, the poverty, through this investment that as sitters we're doing. We then said, perhaps maybe let's then do a review of a new venture if it is the, the appropriate program. Hence, therefore, in our 2020-2021, if you have seen in my spreadsheet in presentation, I did indicate that we then now started to have the entrepreneurship development program because the new venture creation was a class-based type of a program, but the entrepreneurship development now, we're trying therefore to say we wanted to build in an element of supplier or access to the market, that as we fund the training, what then happens to the produce that they will have produced these entrepreneurs. Let's also advocate from the CETA point of view, our retail organization that we are so working very collaboratively with in terms of their representation in our board. As members will know, that uh, uh, six of those that are in our board, they come from the sector itself. That is your CTSA, your BUSA, your Black Business Council, your Fuel Retailers Association and so forth. They come from the sector and they serve in our board to look at the chamber interest or the sector interest in terms of our strategic direction. Then we also have Thank six that come from labor. Uh, that also assist us in terms of guiding from labor point of view how our programs and struct- should be structured to maintain the balance. 
So the entrepreneurship development program was drifting away from the Downarsita point of view, from the new venture, now into a more impactful uh, program um, in terms of the theory of change. What would be the theory of change after the entrepreneurs have been taken through? Are their products um, uh, uh, hitting the shelves of our main retail uh, companies? And what are the barriers? And that is when now, when we work with CEDA, we also try therefore to um, uh, 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 mitigate against the barriers that are uh, oftenly a risk in terms of um, uh, uh, they, they, they being very impactful on, 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 on what we do. It is for that reason why even the cost have now reduced because when we started in the early days as CITAS, we were going alone on our own in silo, but now as the more we collaborate now, because even we've got limited resources, we've got the big pool of what we need to support, then obviously in our costing model, it shrinks because there are certain costs that are taken care by our strategic partners that we partner with. But for the sake of this presentation, I will only relate the investment we do from the CITAS coffers, but obviously there is more costs that are involved in doing some of these programs, which are co-funded by other departments. The FinTech... Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Shoba. Thank you. I think you have done your best. Uh, because of time, we still have to uh, attend to the other presentation, but thank you so much. I believe members, their questions have been clarified and will still engage We'll still do oversight with you, but we really appreciate all the efforts and more special on the memorandum of understanding with the with government. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, honorable members. You may be released and then we'll start, we will continue with our business. Thank you so much. Brakin, can you go back to our our program? agenda. Thank you. Let me now now invite ShopRite. Thank you so much. I'll switch on the video just so that I can introduce myself and then I'll switch it off when I do the presentation Mm -hmm. and um, switch it back on when I take questions from the floor. Um, I'm Mood Mudise, General Manager for Enterprise and Supplier Development for the ShopRite Group. And um, according to the brief that I got from the Secretariat um, on the email with regards to what the committee um, wanted to, to, discuss, to discuss or have oversight on was not really what, what impact we are having or what we're doing, but it was more into the challenges that we are having in doing business with small businesses within the retail space. and that is where most of my presentation is going to be to be focused on today. Um, and maybe conversations that we can initiate or initiatives that we can collaborate or ask the committee to, uh, to help us facilitate. Um, that is where the, the, the focus of the presentation is going to be. Rather than me focusing on what we have done, I will start with a short video um, with, with regards to the impact that we've had on some of the supplies that we worked on, but then after that, I will go into a presentation that addresses the challenges that means that we are seeing within our space and the steps that come with it. Um, I'm going to share my screen um, as I do the presentation or the video and then the presentation and then I'll take it from there. Um, I don't know if the committee can see my screen. 
Yes, we can. I'm going to proceed. Um, thank you, Chair. I'll go right into the presentation, um, if you will allow me. Um, just to give a context with regards to ShopAct Next Capital and the conversations we've had before it was formed. Um, previously, a small business or a small supplier wanting to do business in retail would approach ShopRite and the buyer directly and not go through a portal. And for that instance, 
just to give you a bit of context, this would be a, a buyer who deals with multinationals, a buyer who would deal with Unilevers of the world, the Tigers of the world, a buyer who, who is very experienced and who's, who's used to dealing with people who's, who's got resources to negotiate, account managers, executives on accounts. And we took a step back and we saw that, you know what, maybe it is time to actually form a division that deals with SMME specifically, their needs, people who understand their resources that anybody or any SMME that wants to do with business with ShopRite goes through the same process, which I'll be able to take you through today. And we will be able to advise them accordingly in each and every step of the process and give them specialized feedback, understanding that they, they would need a bit more resources, a bit more information, a bit more handholding in order for them to succeed in, in doing re- um, business in retail. Um, I'll go to my first um, slide or the second slide. What ShopRite Next Capital is about is we aim to, we aim to, facilitate SMME trade assistance into doing retail. What that means is basically us getting um, SMEs into our systems, trying to get them retail ready or make sure that they actually can do business in retail by providing them the adequate resources, which I will go into today. Other parts that we, we, we form into is money that is set aside for people for SMEs that are actually performing where the market viability exceeds our expectations. And we see that there's an opportunity for growth. Our address that in the last part of the slide as we as we carry on with the application process we also facilitate micro pharma assistance we are proud to announce that we actually one of the few retailers that go out and work with farmers directly give them advice as to how does your farm need to be these are the things that you need for you to be retail ready and all the things that you need in order for you to be able to supply our fresh produce or supply to our fresh produce um chain Sorry about that. Let me just present again. I don't know what happened. So we're one of the few retailers that actually go out and work with farmers directly and actually um, assist them and facilitate their um, access to our markets into the retail space. We're also working on a few projects with regards to rural development. It is quite confidential at the moment and we'll be able to, to, to present to the portfolio committee in due time, once we have finalized the plans and are able to execute, what we also look at is strategic investment. What is short? What what we what do we currently have as a shortage within our business that we can pay with an SMME in order for them to grow? Whether it's from a private label point of view or a, a private brand point of view, but what do we have in the business that is currently a scarce shortage of something that we need, and how do we um, facilitate that through an SMME within our space? in order for them to grow via volumes and all of that and use um, all of their capacity. So the journey that I'm going to take you through today or the committee through today is what happens when a um, small business applies and all the, the steps that they have to take in order for them to actually get to, to supplying us ultimately into retail and all the different books and tricks that they need to go into before they can ultimately land their one product or their few products onto our onto our shelves. First step that I'm going going to elaborate on is the application process and the stats that we've received um, through our through our portal and what SMEs are, are saying out there. So basically, once an SM, they're able to go into our website, apply through the portal, give us all the business information, how many people they employ, um, what their business is about when they started, so that we can just get a bit more context. 
once we get the application, we send them a requirement document of we need your business profile. Can you please have proof of turnover in terms of your CIPC documents as well and a BE certificate? Are you compliant, non-compliant, so that we know what type of SMME that we are working with? The challenges that we face in this instance is the first hurdle where SMMEs need to, or these basic requirements that a business needs in order for them to operate is we only get 13 out of 100 applications, people that come back to us and say that we have these documents, here are the documents, and I'm able to proceed with the application to the next phase. So this shows that we've actually got a bulk of people, about 87 people out of 100, that do not have the correct business documents. And I was very happy to see that um, my colleague from the WNR CETA was on this call, and it could maybe facilitate conversations around how do we get the message out there in terms of business documents that are needed in order for you to be able to run a sustainable business, the knowledge around it. And so that SMMEs, when they come into our space already, they have those ticks and boxes waiting for them, um, or those documents ticked and waiting for them in order for them to be compliant and move on to the next phase. Um, so that is basically my our challenges and proposals in a nutshell. Um, so one of the facility or one of the 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 the, the, the points that um, my colleague from the CETA mentioned today is that they've got 256 skills training centers. Then that that obviously comes to a, a conversation of how do we facilitate that or those skill centers in order for us to actually equip SMMEs with the necessary resources and skills in order for them to be able to jump through the first hurdle. So in summary, the, sum, the slide is basically just to show us that 13% of the applications that we get have the necessary documents. And what do we do with these people? We call them, we ask them, we advise them if they need assistance with any documents, and their feedback is always, we don't have them or we're working on them. And I think this would be probably a, a good point where we could say, listen, here, here, here's information about CETA that will help you put these documents together in order for you to move to the next step. The next step in the process is obviously once an SME applies, we ask them, please send us your documents so that we can review your products so that we can review them. What we're looking at as ShopRite in this instance is what are the requirements? We're looking for an innovative product, a product that is food safety compliant, because now we are a retailer and according to the laws and regulations, we need um, to be able to prove that we've got food safety compliance for all the products that we have on our shelves. And obviously your capacity as a, as a SMME, how much are you willing to produce and what is your pricing? So the challenges that we experience in this instance is not a lot of products that we receive are, have a point of difference. Um, if, if, I, if the committee can allow me to just elaborate and not really criticize, is something like a tomato sauce or any type of sauce. There's a lot of sources, and we all know that, or research has proven that people prefer all gold tomato sauce. It's got 60% of market share. Then when an SME comes in with that product, the, and there is no point of difference for us to help us market it and place it better and attract more customers to it, how do we then facilitate the conversation around getting people attracted to it where we know 60% of the people that go into the store looking for tomato sauce are going to look for all gold. Those are the conversations because then we're trying to say, how do you help us market your product a bit better 
if it is innovative, if it has a point of difference, then it will attract the customer differently compared to how it is seen now. The other challenge with regards to cost things is because SMMEs are producing low volumes, it becomes very, they've got a lot of overheads to absorb into a few products. Their pricing also becomes a bit too high compared to other multinationals or other companies that um, that produce high, high volumes. So it creates an instance where now already at the first step, an SMME, your product is good, but you are pricing in the market, you are priced in the market, your product is not really um, market comparable. Some SMMEs then come and say, well, I can lower my price in order for me to, to get a step in. So you're like, okay, short term it works, but in the long term, you're making losses, you're only gaining more volume, and it's going to be even more difficult for you to increase the price of your product because the consumer is already used to the price that you came in at. So those are also one of the challenges that we see in terms of costings and pricing. Their prices tend to be higher because of the low volumes that they produce because of um, higher overhead costs. And with regards to lack of compliance, I'll go into it in section four in detail. But we have do, what we have done as a retailer in order to curb some of these challenges and try and see how we can assist for SMMEs that have gone through the application phase and have the necessary documents is we've, we've appointed a specialist buyer that will assist them in terms of advice. Um, how can they price their product? How we can help them with our internal data and resources in order for us to assist them, whether it's helping the SMME put their um, product at a better price on an extra savings deal or market it better, things that we can do to get a bit more attention around it. Um, we realized that a lot of um, SMMEs as well don't have capacity to supply nationally or per region. What we look at then is what capacity do you have? Do you have capacity to supply three or four stores? What area are you based? How many stores can we give you in that area in order for us to assess a certain market viability that after we can see that a trend or after we establish a trend in six or 12 months that your product is working we love it, people buy it, it's moving. Then how do we facilitate a gradual growth process where from a region, we put you into a division, from going into a division, we put you nationally. How do we facilitate a private label collaboration if you're a manufacturer and all of those, all of those things? Because that actually helps to check if the market loves the product, it will grow. But in the instance where the product doesn't move from the shelf, you're able to also just curb the losses before it becomes a big, a big thing. I mean, we've been criticized a lot for, for, for giving SMMEs five or six stores. But at the end of the day, a lot of the SMMEs that have started with us through this process have actually said the learnings in the beginning phases when you deliver, when you invoice, when you go to the store yourself and get merchandising for your route to market and everything, it becomes such a big learning curve that they are actually grateful that they get a lower base to start with. Once they've established momentum and the product is also doing what it needs to do, then we facilitate a growth um, program for them in order for us to see and assist them grow gradually. What other thing that we do here is if a product is not food safety compliant or it doesn't, we feel that it doesn't really um, have a point of difference or it's not innovative, we refer, we're trying to partner with an incubation hub, which is based in Johannesburg, where we go, listen, SMME, Eggs. Go and partner with, it, with this incubation hub. They will help you develop your product, make it even better in terms of taste profile, get a better price because they have shared 
spaces in order for you to produce your product, get your food safety compliance because they have resources allocated to that and they have sponsorships in that environment. What we've also done is um, encourage private label partnerships. If a, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a SMME has enough capacity and they're not using all of it. What our proposal is in this instance, in terms of facilitating the conversations um, for the committee is we need to look at what gaps are there in the market versus what incubation hubs or what trainers or what manufacturers are trying to do in the SMME space and how we can match that together. Because if we're always going to be producing sources, washing powders and all of those that all of those brands that people tend to not want to make a decision around or tend to not want to um, move away from a legacy brand, then it creates a, an extra hurdle for the SME to succeed. Rather, why not we look at the gaps in the market, make sure that we produce SMMEs that are able to fill those gaps in order for them to give them uh, higher chances of success. Also, we encourage innovative product designs with all the incubation hubs that we work to. And then also facilitating co-manufacturing spaces in order to make sure that um, costs for the for the SMME are much lower other than when they're working on their own and producing their own product, their overheads become quick, they become very high versus if they work in co-manufacturing space, they tend to their cost and their cost um, become cheaper. And that's what the incubation hub is also working as working with us on. Third phase is compliance. So I think this is very topical in the sense that our requirements are based on what the law requires of us. So it requires food safety. It requires the SMME to adhere to packaging and labeling regulation. It requires barcoding from GS1 and all these entities that are appointed to, 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 to regulate compliance within the retail space or within the food safety industry. The challenges that we have come across with that is the cost of compliance in for an SMME in South Africa is quite high. I mean, if you look at Food safety, an SME can spend something from about 10,000 Rand to 50,000 Rand a year in order for them to just get that tick for them to be able to get market access. How do we then facilitate better, um, better conversations around food safety, but also facilitate services around that that will assist us to help them cheaper? What we've done in our space is to speak to GS1, um, which is the old CGC SA, which my colleague from the WNRCTA referred to, because they also have programs with regards to empowering SMEs, but we still need to figure out the ways of working. And we've also partnered with SGS, who does food safety compliance for most of the big multinationals as to how do we then feed into the SMEs that we find that, that have a very good product, that we want to put their product on the shelf. How do we then facilitate the access to market for them by providing them that training that food safety information and all of those requirements that are that are that are needed um for 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 smes to be able to do business in retail what our proposal um in terms of the facilitation of a conversation we could have around is how do we then maybe use those skill centers that the dublin arcita has or how do we then use the resources that are already existing in order for us to be compliant hubs where after me as an smme i've got a product i take it there it gets tested, it gets vetted, everything is in place that we know that all the applications that we receive and you see that a person has that, um, has gone, a person's product has gone through that compliance hub, you are already certain that all the compliance requirements are met, all the compliance um, 
there's no compliance issues with regards to that SMME's product. So we need to make it a bit more accessible for the SMME who is in rural KZN or the SMME who's in Mabopani in a township. How do we facilitate those compliance hubs in key areas where SMMEs know that after I've developed this product and in order for me to get to retail, I can take my product there. They will get all the testing. They will give me all the assistance and all the um, barcoding that I need in order for my product to be compliant so that when I approach a retailer, I know that my product meets all the dots. All that I need to do is to then approve the innovation part, make sure that my product is a bit different and how do I differentiate it compared to the others. But the other conversation is how do we then facilitate the whole red tape with regards to compliance for SMMEs to do business in retail? Already, you, we have lost about 87% of our SMMEs in the, in the application phase. In this phase, we lose a, an even bigger chunk because of the amount of money that is required in order for them to be compliant with all the legal and safety regulations, which, which we also need to comply with. Fourth one that we need to address is after they've done the after they've done the application, we love their product, we're happy with it, we want to list it is addressing the route to market perspective. How do we then assist SMMEs with logistics, getting their stock from their factories to the store? How do we then, once the stock is in the store, how do we help them with merchandising and all of the, 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 the handling that's required with stock within our stores? The challenges that we experience within the space is it is very expensive for SMMEs to actually get this right because of the current cost of fuel and every all the other overheads that are involved in the in the space with regards to transporting your goods obviously in a safe with in a safe way that will actually um, not damage the goods and and all of that stuff. So it is currently quite expensive to to, to transport goods or for SMMEs to transport their goods from their factories into our DCs or even into our stores for the for the SMMEs that are not within our that aren't through the DC. But also the other aspect of it, once the stock is in the store, how do we get then merchandisers to take stock from the floor to the to the shelf or to the sales floor where customers are? Those those conversations that we're trying to facilitate around there or our actions that we are doing around there is how do we partner with logistics companies that are within key areas that will assist SMMEs that are, they are anyway going to those stores. How do we then negotiate a better rate for those um, SMMEs, but still making sure that the, the, the logistics company or the merchandising company does not prioritize a bigger multinational versus a smaller supplier because they're obviously getting their turnover from a bigger, a, a bigger um, multinational or bigger um, supplier. But also in that instance, we, we're exploring merchandising opportunities. We've started now in the great, in the great north with. Um, one of our merchandising companies and how we can actually measure how the KPIs in terms of them prioritizing smaller supplies over bigger suppliers. I mean, for them, they work on a turnover level, on a turnover basis. The bigger the supplier, they merchandise it, then their stats fall into place. But that's where you start losing the smaller suppliers in terms of merchandising in a store. And those are the conversations that, that we can try and facilitate around that or the, the conversations that we're trying to solve for. Um, and then from a proposal point of view in terms of facilitating conversations is how do we find a database that is of, of, of logistics companies that are small, that are in the transformation space that we can use for these type of initiatives where 
they are small, they know what it means to be a small business, and they can all work together and facilitate a, an ecosystem of, 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 of empowering small businesses. And then also how, how do we feed um, our Dublin RCT skills training programs into merchandises that are more affordable for smaller suppliers and those conversations around what they are doing in order for them to get merchandises ready or the skill set that they need in order for, 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 for people to, to work into retail. So that's a conversation that I'll be able to take through with my colleague from the from the CETA. And then the last part of the of the of the of the presentation is about business as usual aspect of it. I've gotten my application through. My product is great. It's food safety compliant. The Shoprite loves it. They've listed it. I've started um, delivering my orders. Is what are the requirements from a business as usual perspective? In um, entrepreneurs mostly need admin related um, assistance. Anytime, I mean, for these three supplies or small supplies that we want to assist from a funding point of view, but it has taken so long for them to actually get their financial records together that it becomes such a drawn out process because they do not have these financial statements on a, or management accounts on a monthly basis and financial statements on a yearly basis. How do we then facilitate and assist them with their day-to-day -day running and bookkeeping and making sure that all of that is up to standard? When, when, when we actually need those documents. And obviously, um, expansion capital in the instance where now we've seen that your product works, the market loves it, how do we help you expand by providing capital or working capital? So the challenges that SMME face within this stage is working capital. They'll deliver their goods, but they'll only get their money later. Um, lack of resources in terms of their financial records or HR specialists to help them run their business efficiently in terms of what type of people to employ, and then also lack of capital in terms of um, expansion. What we've done in this stage or in this instance is we facilitated working, making sure that all SMEs that go through our system are actually paid within seven days um, of submitting their statements to us. We're also working with our critics division who facilitate PO financing and invoice factory facilities for suppliers. We've also explored loan finding, which, which is not something that we, we want to put out there, but we are exploring it, especially if it's a product that works and there's market viability on it. We also have um, a lot of suppliers, a lot of the smaller suppliers that we're working with that are now moving and using the excess capacity for, for, for private label. And also we encourage gradual growth in terms of move from a small amount of stores into a larger number in a sustainable way and not just move from five stores and then we'll take you national because sometimes it doesn't work and it, it, it poses a risk on SMMEs in terms of what they do or their cash flow basis as well. So a proposal in this instance or our challenges in this instance is a lot of the companies that are coming to us that are saying they want to fund the SMMEs and they want to work with our SMMEs, those people usually want off-take agreements from a retail perspective. So what they do is they'll tell the SMME that it will give you X amount of capital if you go and take it, if you, go, if you can go get an off-take agreement. What we then do is go, but they come to us and then they tell us that they want um, off-take agreements from us. And then obviously that obviously um, places uh, the risk on our side because if we sign that off-take and say we are going to take 10,000 units per month, for instance, what if that product doesn't sell? What are we going to do? We're already committed to us getting off or paying for that stock. But on the other hand, the loan funder or the funder, the person that's funding them actually gets their money back. But we don't because we stuck with the stock. So those are the challenges that we 
that that's one of the biggest challenges actually because a day in day out you find SMMEs that say I've got funding I need an offtake agreement can you please help me with that and then it looks like you don't want to help them but they don't understand the risk that that places on the retailer but also facilitating conversations around accounting firms HR firms and how we can incentivize them to assist a bit more with SMMEs in their day-to-day running of their business as usual. Because at the, I mean, now it's been three months since we're waiting for financials from about two SMMEs that are struggling because they, this is not something that they pay for on a month-to-month basis. By the time that they need them, it's actually quite a lot of work in order for them to 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 get those documents. But I hope I've provided um, the community a bit of context as to that what the challenges are in our space. I mean. I could have easily provided a slide or a presentation about what it is that we do and what, what we do to help. I think it will give a committee more context when you address the challenges that we are seeing working with SMMEs and how we can better assist them. But in summary, the compliance um, part is, is one of the biggest parts because that's where a lot of the, the um, SMMEs fall off because they're not aware of what needs to be complied to or they're just not compliant at all and they can't afford it because the cost of compliance is so high. But how do we facilitate more retail-focused programs as to bring in W and RCTA into what, what goes into their training programs? What can we do to build a retail-focused program that will assist us? And if we know that an SMME is from that program, we know definitely that they will tick the boxes. And obviously, I'm the Department of Small Business development as a partner in terms of how do we facilitate conversations around getting more retail-focused programs that will assist SMMEs with the knowledge that they need. And in terms of structured ways of working, um, how do we get a database that has credible SMMEs who are providing X amount? So if I need water, for instance, I go to the database and check all the SMMEs that have been through the program or their programs that has supplied that or that supplies that specific product so that we can immediately approach that SMME and then us working with that SMME rather than putting a word out there that we need water. By the end of the day, we'll probably get a thousand applications, but how do we then facilitate the most structured ways of working where if we need a bottle of water, somebody who's going to provide, who's going to um, produce water on our behalf, where do we go in order for us to get that list of people and, and get a bit of ways of working around a database of what SMMEs are they, what do they supply, and how do we feed them into our value chain? How do we then convert some of our products that we are importing into localizing them with these SMMEs? So a more structured database of what are SMMEs that are available, what are they doing, so that we can also get a bit of focus and a bit of foresight as to, I've seen that there is a database and maybe that's where we can go where it's credible if you need an SMME to supply you with anything. Um, I think that is the end of my presentation. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm able to take any questions if, if, if the committee has. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for the presentation. Um, I think you have outlined everything, the background. We really appreciate, but... Uh, I believe uh, my colleagues will um, echo the very same sentiments on the issues of challenges, on the issues of compliance, because that's where things are happening. So I believe members will engage and come up with some proposals, but 
uh, we appreciate that something is happening, although the issue of uh, challenges are still there, more especially on the issue of, of, of barrier to entry to business as well as red tapes and cost. So I will now invite my colleagues to engage with your presentation. Let us show by raise of hands, honorable members, and we are running a little bit short of time. So I will allow members to engage for 30 minutes if possible so that uh, the presenter respond to those questions if ever they are in. King, you will advise me. There is a hand from uh, Honorable uh, Hendricks so far, and then uh, Honorable Zungula indicated that he was uh, going to attend the other committee meeting, so he has posted a a comment and a question in the chat uh, box. I don't know whether the presenter did see it. If she didn't see it, then I will read it after uh, Honorable Hendricks has uh, presented his uh, questions or comments. Thank you, Chair. Okay, we'll appreciate. Honorable Hendricks, over to you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, it is very refreshing that we have such a very positive presentation that will give hope to many uh, people that want to uh, do some business to take their families uh, out of uh, poverty. One of the, uh, the, the focus of SOPRITE uh, needs to be re-looked at. Um, and it is uh, my recommendation that they look more at assisting uh, township people uh, in terms of the TRIS uh, program uh, that we are working with. So that means SOPRITE will be complementing the work of the Small Business Development Department and this portfolio committee, because we mustn't pull in different directions. Um, I'm not saying don't assist uh, SMEs, uh, you know, but I think that the focus needs to go down a bit. The problem with uh, township uh, entrepreneurs is the issue of compliance, and we've already heard that when it comes to SMEs, uh, nearly uh, 70% or 80% will get application forms don't return it because they can't comply. I would like to suggest a much simpler for a simpler way in which ShopRite can engage uh, with applications and that they should recognize a certificate from the CEDA. Now, as you know, Honorable Chair, that anyone who needs any financial assistance to start a business uh, becomes a client of CEDA. They fill in some basic uh, documents. Uh, the only thing that CEDA doesn't do is they don't issue a registration certificate to say that Hanif Hendricks is a client of CEDA. So, so CEDA is the recognized agency of uh, the Department of Small Business. So if uh, one has a, uh, a registration certificate with CEDA, can't that be enough uh, for ShopRite uh, to assist uh, that particular person 
because the compliance issues would be a sideline which CEDA will sort out uh, with the applicant. And that means we'll be able to remove a lot of the red tape and then CEDA can then engage. Coming back to practicalities, one of the honorable members mentioned that the president announced that there will be 1,000 products products that will be manufactured in the townships. And that, uh, for example, some of these products are, are manufactured by international organizations like Nestle and so on. Uh, but uh, it is a requirement of ShopRite and other supermarkets to take those products of Nestle off the shelves and replace it with township products. Obviously, they will have to meet the specifications and so on. You can't just replace one product with another product that is inferior. And we've heard the uh, Honorable Chair uh, reports to this portfolio committee that ShopRite has been cooperating and have listed uh, some of these products. Whether they've taken out, for example, Nestle products off the cells, I don't know. But at least these, the, the products of the towns of people are now on the cells. They've waived all the listing fees and all the, you know, to list a product. What's up, right? You need to put a million rand down before your product is on the shelf. These people don't have a million rand. So all that uh, seems to have been uh, a wave. So I would like to know uh, if uh, ShopRite can take a more proactive role in getting some of the products that the president has identified and assist township people to manufacture product because ShopRite knows they've got a market for it. They know exactly what they need. And they can then source from these people. And eventually, when we have enough, then they can take off the shelves uh, that same product that's being manufactured by international or even uh, South African companies. It is only in this way, Honorable Chair, that the president's uh, vision uh, can be achieved uh, to empower small business. And uh, I would like to interest uh, ShopRite in uh, peanut butter manufacturing, which we have in Gradville, and the name of the peanut butter is Chief Albert Latuli peanut butter. But I don't want to go into too much detail except to say that they produce their first jar of peanut butter uh, this week, and our constituency office, we throw through our weight behind them, and they, we know that it is an arrangement uh, with Cedar that parliamentary constituency officers should extend their footprint. So ShopRite will have a footprint of of hundreds of uh, officers all over the country uh, that they can work with. Then secondly, the minister, uh, the deputy minister of small business, Minister Karpas is no longer in small business, is now in another department. She arranged for a fishing vessel uh, to be given to a rural village uh, near Umtata because there's 13 species of fish in that ocean. But the uh, fishermen there, they can only fish from the rocks. Now they have a vessel to go 15 kilometers into the ocean. Their problem is uh, they are now being trained to be captains and skippers. In fact, to tomorrow, 
they are going to Durban for training. Uh, the problem is when they come back, they don't have refrigeration. And secondly, they don't have a market. So they have to sell amongst the villages there. And I can tell you there's so much fish in that ocean it can feed the whole of South Africa. So I'm just hoping that uh, I'm taking a chance now and hope I will capture the imagination of the presenter and she will say, look, we'll assist with the peanut butter project because you want to promote the legacy of Chief Albert Latuli. And let's just see how we can help the, the uh, fishermen in a rural village uh, that uh, has an, uh, an, an ocean. Then lastly, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, President Ramaphosa has spoken about giving assistance to roadside trading. So there are a lot of people that get their 350 grants and, uh, that the, and they use that to buy items and resell wherever there are open spaces. So is it possible for these people to use ShopRite as a wholesaler and say, look, uh, can I uh, get uh, 10 bags of potatoes and go outside and sell it? Or can I get 50 cans of baked beans and I will go on the roadside and sell it? Because that is how we're going to help the most vulnerable people going forward. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Uh, thank you, Honorable Hendricks. Uh, can you read that chat, uh, Brakin, to our presenter so that she can, she can in, be in the position to see what is it? Uh, okay, Chair. Because, uh, can we, can I, can you please, uh, give, uh, Honorable Matulelo and Honorable Jacobs a chance because they've raised their okay. hands now. Then, okay. Yes. All right. Thank you. Honorable Matulelo, and then Honorable Jacobs. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you to the presenter. Uh, I just want to conquer with the previous speaker on, on the supply of what they can give this uh, shop right uh, on, on, on the product, the specific product, the specific also to to say uh, shop right is giving uh, uh, this particular product for informal traders or SMMEs to, 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 to maybe they can also as well, because there is no place, even in rural areas now, they are even in townships where there are only rural people that are residing somewhere where they, they take, uh, they are in a form of uh, 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 what is that thing you save? Yes. So, can they be uh, not come only in this? A portfolio committee with this particular presentation because you know I've got a concern that these entities and all of these partners or everyone that is servicing our constituency called a small business uh, they, before presentation 
there is a there is a, 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 a there is a implementation before presentation before uh, implementation there is a presentation when you you, you are seeing you are you have got this idea you present your idea then when you have got these kinds of um presentation where you you tell us that you have already started giving people everything that you are telling us here that you have given some of the people the assistance or somewhere but before uh, the, the the presentation there is an implementation on on that kind of a presentation uh, we we want uh, these people to tell us as well what are they doing in the respective areas where they put their you save uh, uh, shops what are they doing for those particular people that are residing in those areas? If is there anything that they've done for the communities where they, 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 they've got, uh, they have shops there, those people in small businesses, those informal traders, they must tell us because a true reflection of what I'm raising here, in places where they are safe in those townships and uh, small townships that you regard them as rural areas as well, where there are usages. There are no programs. There are nothing that is giving back to the community. There is nothing at all. Uh, So if they come here in this department and tell us that they are doing something, can they please indicate, just like uh, CETA, that they are doing what way? Where do people access what they are giving to small businesses? How to apply? How I can see that these big names won't help the rural people because these people they must address rural uh, based small businesses because they have decided also to 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 occupy that space as well. And then it must be break into a much more understandable uh, way in in this uh, presentation and how people will understand. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair. That's my only input that I can put for now. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Matulelwa. Honorable Jacobs. Thank you, Chair. And again, um... Let me appreciate the presentation, but I also want to express my disappointment with ShopRite and with uh, uh, their presentation. Here, the reason why I say I'm disappointed. ShopRite is one of the biggest African retailers, not only in South Africa, but on our continent. And this presentation is literally just a, a compliance of what they need to do and lament, lamentations about the challenges of small business and why we can't accommodating. I see no innovation. I see no pol- uh, p- commitment by ShopRite to actually grow and business uh, and create businesses for emerging small businesses. Now, the main consumer of the ShopRite group is your township, your rural, your, your, your working poor, the African community, your black communities. And if they don't 
show a deliberate attempt to help this community, then I don't know, Chair. Uh, and it's right what Honorable uh, Matulel was raising. The, the boxes and the shop rights are just taking money out of our township, but they're not plowing back into, into, uh, into our communities. So this whole presentation was a compliance about what they need to do, how they need to fill in the forms, but nowhere is they saying these are our commitments. We are investing hundreds of millions into small business. How many small business do you have contracts with? So let me ask specific questions. What is the plan for emerging uh, small businesses? In what sectors are they? How many contracts do you have with small business? What's the value of small business development in ShopRite? Chair, I also want to ask the, the, piece, uh, the portfolio committee's indulgence. I am, I've shared in the group an example of how ShopRite treats small businesses. There has been a microflower business that has been decimated by, by, by the ShopRite um, uh, group. There is a company, I think it's Majid Flowers, um, that's based uh, in Cape Town. They are microflowers. They provide flowers and distribute flowers to checkers in the Western Cape. They've got 20 odd years of experience. They used to work with the old man, Christoph Easter and all of them. But now this, this small micro uh, flowers has been taken out by a, a bigger company, a bigger white uh, a, a flower company. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, that's the summary during 2018. Their orders were starting to decline. They had to get new uh, supplier systems. The new buyer of the checkers group um, uh, came up with new rules. They received a, a instruction that they must stop uh, supplying to the Namibia. Um, then the middle management ordered them that they, they're not allowed to, um, to, to do business. Then they started to get more business from Oak Valley. So it's literally taking bread out of small businesses like this uh, um, um, Majid Flowers and giving it to your white companies, Oak Valley. So the arbitrary elimination of Majid Flowers has resulted in a decline in orders of business and they have met all the compl uh, comp uh, compliance here. So here's an ex ex example of the bullying. Here's the example of, of how ShopRite them is not proactively looking at and nurturing and building and supporting uh, small businesses. These are local farmers. They've been supplying for a long time to, to, to checkers. And I'm not sure why. And we'd want Ms. Modise to take this particular issue up of Majid Flowers. But Chair, this is just one example. In this arbitrary elimination of small enterprises like Majid Flowers affects the survival of, of many. So we want to we want to ask in a genuine way, what is ShopRite going to do, have done, will do? They must come up with facts and figures. They must show us concrete examples. The video seems to be just like a marketing, a marketing thing. But we know that they are contracting, they're supplying, they have many shops, they have many, and we're asking them to have a will to help our small business get their stock on the on the on the um, on the floor. We, we we are concerned that we must comply, and I think that's important. But compliance mustn't be used as a way of eliminating or bullying or uh, or, or, or or blocking 
uh, opportunities for small business chair. So um, I think we want to ask uh, ShopRite to go back to the drawing board. We need a comprehensive uh, supplier development uh, detailed plan of what they're doing for small business, for local businesses, how they're going to ensure that they nurture these businesses. I think we also said that uh, these, that the president has spoken about these, these a thousand products. These products must be produced local. Why is it that we can't produce local uh, issues and how can we not ensure that there is examples of this transformation commitment here? So we don't want the stick box exercises here where people just go through the motions. We want a commitment because they are benefiting from South Africa. They are benefiting from our country. They're benefiting from the legislation. So why don't they plow back to our people? So the experience of this Majid Flowers suggests there's a lack of integration in small business in their programs. And we need greater consideration and more effort from people like uh, ShopRite to build local suppliers, local networks, and build the capacity of people uh, in, in our sector. Chair. So those are some of my comments. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm upset because here's one example where Oak Valley, who is a, a big uh, white uh, business, and they've been, out, they've been out bullied. Now, I don't want to bring a race in this chair, and I'm not a racist, but chair, that is an example of where um, it's still booty booty. It's still, um, uh, we just care for ourselves. We don't want white economic empowerment here. We want to ensure that everybody, all the consumers, everybody benefits from the economic dividend of our country chair. And I think that's the key point that we want ShopRite to go home with and come back to us. I pause here, chair. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, honourable members. Um, King, can you reflect the chart from honourable Zungole so that the presenter can respond? Or you read it for her? Uh, it says, uh, I have two questions. What is the strategy they are using to increase the 13% rate of SMMBs who come back to applying? Uh, this number is very low. Then secondly, the second question is what do they specifically need the committee to do to alleviate the challenges they face? So those are the two questions, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, our presenter, can you respond to those co- questions? Some need um, to be worked sorry. again. Yes? Sorry, Chair. Now I'm seeing the hand of uh, uh, Honorable April and the hand of uh, again of uh, Honorable Matulel. Okay. Let me give Honorable uh, April now. Honorable Thank, Thank you, Chairperson. Mine was just to concur with what the WOP has already uh, expressed. Absolutely, we can see that ShopRite has got no intent to work together with small enterprises, specifically in the township where they, where they are getting their biggest resources from. Their products are, 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 are ones that they specifically target the, 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 the masses of our people. And one is really worried that ShopRite doesn't show 
in this in this is like a tick box exercise for Shoprite to come and present something to to, to us without showing us any uh, intent to to develop uh, township entrepreneurs and 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 if there's no strategy or or, or tangible uh, something that we can point to uh, in terms of the Shoprite groups. Um, involvement to uplift our communities economically it is it is saddening to see that they perpetuate a culture of uh, white monopoly capital as, as as i would call it um, i am very disturbed about their presentation i don't I, I i see the presentation i don't welcome it and i want to reject the fact that shoprite could come to this committee and come and think that they can 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 present what they have uh, conjured up somewhere and uh, I, I am very disappointed in this uh, presentation. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Honorable Matulele, do you still want to have a bite? Can you do so, so that the presenter can respond? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Chair. I've missed a very important point. Sorry to come again. Uh, uh, it's, it's going to be very painful if Shobrite doesn't know what they really stand for because really um, I concur with all the, the, the my, my colleagues here. Shobrite is a West capitalist that deliberately created a strategy to destroy small businesses by their so-called you save shacks that they built all over our communities. Really it's very saddening to come really here with this kind of a, a, a presentation that doesn't have, it's a Amuba presentation because we need answers also as well. If they, 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 if they, they do this thing of uh, occupying all corners in our rural areas and uh, townships with these, their spaza shops, they, they destroying uh, the the small businesses. Where do they think the small businesses will will create and they will do their own space of 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 operating in the space of business? Because really, they must give us answers as well on that. What what was re- what is really. Uh, are they are they really helping our people or they are destroying them? Because this thing of their sharks in all over in corners of rural areas and townships, really, Chairperson, uh, it's very saddening in Dogacho, right? I am very sad as well as other members are sad. It's very, very, very worse in Dogacho, right? They must tell us here, but why are they, are they, are they, are they occupying all corners? We can't uh, operate spaza shops anymore. The, the the small businesses can't do anything because they are all over. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. I heard Honorable Hendricks uh, posing a very good question, saying that is it possible for Shoprite to assist those who are getting uh, those grants? who can maybe buy beans and go to the street and make a profit. So while they will be responding, maybe if they can mm-hmm. also respond to such, because what is important for us is to make sure that um, jobs are being created. So to, to, to be able to alleviate poverty in our society. So maybe, Ceci, 
if ever there is time, because there have been a lot of comments, I will allow you to do so, but try now to to respond to some of those uh, questions. We understand that you are just a messenger there from ShopRite, but bear with us. The frustration members are having is the issue of poverty and unemployment we are faced with in our society. Over to you. Um, Chair, thank you so much for the opportunity to respond. Chair, sorry to disturb you, Ms. Modise. I think uh, members, uh, there's a last one, Honorable Ntenjan. He has been trying to join. Yeah, I think maybe if you can take him and then to respond to every question. Thank you, Chair. Okay, Honorable Ntenjan, over to you. Did you hear the, the presentation? Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, uh, I just caught up the uh, here and there, Chairperson, because of a problem here. We have a, a serious problem of a load shading from the morning here. So I was in and out uh, trying to catch up here and there. But uh, <clears throat> uh, luckily, I came in as our some of our speakers were speaking in 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 uh, connection with uh, uh, Shoprite. I think it's Shoprite uh, Group. Yeah, Jefferson, uh, though I didn't hear so much about that, <clears throat> I want to dwell so much about the presenta- presentation itself because I didn't catch up well uh, about what was said or presented. But all I can say, Chair, just to add uh, about checkers, uh, checkers is one of the worst uh, 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 group here in our society. I want to talk about something else here, uh, 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 Chairperson, which is also a serious problem, what is being done by these uh, uh, checkers people. There are many cases that we, we, we got here in our constituencies, whereby you find that uh, workers of checkers, they are being treated like dogs, they are being harassed, uh, they are being hired and fired as and when they want. They also pay them peanuts. If you can take Check a uh, chairperson, those uh, tell us what they end there. Check us, you'll be surprised. They are being bullied, and uh, seriously so, because there are many cases where they come and uh, narrate their cases to, the, to us that this is what they are doing. And uh, I understand also that in one of the shops, I think in Nelspread area, there was a, a time when checkers securities were searching women, searching them. Imagine a man search a woman. As they go out of the the shop, when it's uh, it's 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 it, when they knock off, they line up there to be searched because they are suspected of being stealing, but they are working there. They are their workers. So that thing also, uh, checkers can please explain to us what is their criteria that they are using to treat their workers like this, treat them as dogs, and also they don't arrange transport for them. They let them work sometimes uh, 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 overtime that is late hours without providing a transport for those people. Now, how do you let your worker knock off at after hours when there were no taxis, but tomorrow you expect that same person to come back to work? You don't care whether her safety is, especially the woman, you don't care whether her safety is guaranteed or no, or, or so you just want that person to come back to work the following day without even knowing whether he, she arrived well, safe at home or not. So checkers can explain to us what, why are they treating their own workers like dogs? And sometimes even they say they don't even give them contracts to sign 
when they, they, they hire them. So they must explain to us which criteria they are using, why are they uh, treating our, our, our their workers like this. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Member. Um, our presenter from ShopRight, can you respond to some of the questions? Over um, to thank you. you. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, with regards to the certificate from CIDA that the first um, member of the committee raised, um, we are definitely willing to look at it as to what it entails, what is it, so that we can actually get facilitate more of this access to market. And I'll speak to my colleagues at CIDA and ask them for an example and see how we can work around it. That is something we're definitely willing to look at. Um, with regards to the 1,000 products, that um, the, the, the president has announced that will be manufactured in the in the townships. We are able to look at those as well. We'll do our research and make sure to know where those um, products are manufactured and how we can do to assist and facilitate market access for those products and, and see how we can work with that. With regards to the peanut butter example that the, that the member also raised was um, we are currently also working with the peanut butter um, supplier with the, the, the Rituli Chief Albert Butuli peanut butter. We're working with another peanut butter supplier that that CEDA supports, which is in the in in who's supporting and procuring groundnuts from um, women in White River, who are also um, who have received land as 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 part of an initiative that they that they that they were a beneficiary of, and as part of that, they're procuring those peanuts from those women. Turn it in, turning it into peanut butter. So I was I was actually in a conversation and a call with uh, colleagues from CEDA with regards to how do we facilitate market access for that peanut butter specifically, but also how do we facilitate market access for those nuts as well within our space. So those are the type of initiatives also that we've worked on um, with CEDA with regards to peanut butter. I have made a note with regards to the Chief Albert Tuli peanut butter. Um, we, we are able to go and see what they do if there is any opportunities for working and how we can work around it, I'll also request more information um, from Steda. With regards to um, assistance on roadside um, or, or, of people that are buying into our stores and actually going to sell on the roadside and, and all of those initiatives, we're working on a specific rural development project that will address this, this type of entrepreneur. And if the committee can and allow me a bit of time in order for us to get that project going and make sure that it's vetted and approved internally so that I can come back and report on that. Because if you can remember on the first slide that I showed was rural development was part of our top priorities. And I don't want to say something, we're working on something when, you know, it, it hasn't been approved. I want to come here with facts and show you these are the initiatives that we're actually going to go into. And, and give you feedback on that. That is a project, a very big project that we're working on. And I think in the next few months or so, I'll be able to report back onto the committee or to the committee on that. We have, from a CSI point of view, previously worked with um, hawkers that are actually selling, that we can able, that are able to sell just outside of our stores um, for their produce or their fresh produce and whatever goods that they would, they wanted to sell from a CSI point of view. I am unable to provide a lot more insight on that because I was not part of that project, but I, I am able to, I will be able to report back to the committee via the secretariat as to how is that initiative and what was it about in terms of assisting um, roadside uh, um, trading or people that are buying into our stores or using our resources in order for them to, to be workers um, into our ecosystem. And I'll be able to 
to actually send um, information to the secretariat um, so that he can share it with the portfolio committee. With regards to small businesses and what we are doing with them, we are working on a new brand um, that, that will be launched soon and we are actually targeting to work specifically with SMMEs in instances where we can in terms of SMMEs that have capacity to supply within that range. And I'm happy to report that we're actually targeting five specific SMMEs that will actually be working on that project with. And I'll be able to report to the committee on it um, once the project is launched. With regards to the um, issue that the member raised on on workers that are that are not treated well, I'll be able, I, I think for, for that one, I, I would like to refer to our HR department in order for them to be able to give us a bit of feedback and insight with regards to the white, the Mpumalanga or the Nelspreet incident that you mentioned with regards to workers being searched and not being provided transport after um, operating and working long hours at night when they're not off them, they don't receive transport. I've noted that and I will really provide um, insight to the committee based on um, via the secretariat as to what happened there and what the situation was and how we have addressed it as as, as, as an employer. With regards to the members that, that that have said that they are disappointed in us not having a plan, I think for me, the brief that was given to me by the Secretariat was what challenges are, are, are SMMEs experiencing and how can we help or how can we facilitate conversations to help. This was not by in any means a ticking box exercise. This was me sticking to the brief because the brief that I was given was what challenges are they experiencing and what conversations can we facilitate to have that? If the committee would, would want me to, have to come and present on our strategy and what we're exactly doing, I'm more than happy to do that because we want to be able to partner with um, small businesses and be able to get it known out there what we are doing. So in, for the interest of time and all of the, the nice things that we're doing, I didn't want to mention that because for me, I was trying to target what the brief was based on the what, what information that I received from the secretariat. So um, maybe from that means we were not aligned in terms of the expectations and maybe the secretariat can maybe afford me another opportunity to, to delve deeper into that because it is an initiative we're very proud of um, that we do support SMMEs and we do not shy away from making it known. But for the sake of sticking to the brief that was the brief that was given to me and that's why I made this presentation so so I will I'm more than happy to come back to this platform and address um, the issues and concerns with regards to what is currently being done with SMME so that we are even able to point it down to the name of the SMME that this is what we are doing and this is the the the, the type of SMME we are assisting and this is the type of assistance that that we are that we are giving with regards to Masjid Flowers, um, I will definitely get more information from our Freshmark um, procurement, um, procurement department in order to find out the context as to what exactly happened and give information to the, to the committee via the secretariat as to what happened, what is our current plan and why did it go wrong and what, what exactly, just so that we can get a bit of investigation around that. As I cannot comment on it, we... we, we um, I, I haven't really had um, information on that or any foresight on that. Um, yeah, and then there was a question from one of um, the members as well that asked, um, what are we doing with regards to that high fallout rate? Um, like I've mentioned in my presentation that we are partnering specifically with an incubation hub that will be able to refer these type of applications to, to, to the incubation hub that they will assist them get the necessary documents and then they're able to fall back into our system. Whether it's from the application phase where they fall back and they go and get a bit of learning and improve what they need to improve on their side, 
come back into the system and say, this is what I've done. I've got all the documents. I've got all the food safety requirements. Let's look at it and we look at the process. We want to facilitate those type of conversations, whether it's from people that are not compliant from a paperwork business perspective or from a food safety um, compliancy or any other way. We want to actually be partnering with that incubation hub to ask them to take those type of um, entrepreneurs that don't meet the requirements and actually take them through the process, vet them, let them come back into the system. Whether they come back to us or another retailer, that's also fine. But for us is to give that SMME a leg up and a stand up to say, this is the type of assistance we've given you. Now you're retail ready or your product is retail ready. You're able to compete in any retail space and we, we don't really have an issue that that, that SMME, whether it comes back to us or go to another retailer, that, that is also a conversation that we are facilitating. And again, with regards to rural development, I'll be able, when I come back to the, when I come back to present to the committee with regards to the initiatives that we've done with small farm owners, with small businesses, I'll be able to give a bit more context on the rural development because hopefully at that time, um, we would have exactly um, finalized what we needed to finalize and, and come back with a solid plan. And then the, uh, the, there was a question as well in the chat with regards to how much are we procuring from smaller businesses. I think the number that we had as of um, end of financial year, not this year, the previous year, these numbers are still getting audited, was 8.5 billion rand um, that we're procuring from, from smaller um, suppliers. I'm not sure if it's just that woman or um, I'm just not too sure about that context, but the, the number that I have here is 8.5 billion rand in total as a group that we are procuring from, from, smaller, from smaller businesses. Um, Chair, I hope that answers the majority of the questions and I hope that you will allow me to come back and address with regards to our strategy and what we are doing because that is the type of conversations I would also love to explore. Um, it's unfortunate that the Secretariat gave me a brief that um, you would like to discuss the challenges and not exactly what we are doing. So I think the Secretariat also must just be a, a bit mindful and come to my rescue there because I think, he, he, I think we were not aligned in that instance. Thank you, Chair. Yeah, thanks. Um, based on what you have said, I agree with you that you compile everything which they have requested and then we give you an opportunity to come back so that uh, maybe it was a communication problem, but if ever they are... Issues which you can... Uh, by honorable members... Uh, to agree with the secretariat uh, together with you to 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 plan a day again when will you you come back since this is a, a huge concern from honorable members even from myself because what is important we want to see what is it that is uh, being done for the community to benefit out of the, all those programs so i will I will agree with you because of uh, time constraint. I will request them to arrange and they will be advised in, in, in due course. When can that happen so that we are, we are being given such an information as, as per the request from honorable members. Honorable members, based on what she has said, let's agree with her and that we will, the Secretariat and myself, arrange again in another date so that we get all those, I believe, were in agreement, all of us. 
Agreed. Okay, I agree with you and I would really love the opportunity to come back. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, honorable members, can we go back to our our agenda and release uh, our presenter from ShopRite? Then you will hear from us in due course. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Chairperson. Hey, can you go back to our agenda? These are the minutes, ne? Okay, can you take yes. us through? Sure. Uh, thank you, Chair. These are the minutes, Chairperson, of the 7th of uh, September, 22. 2022, which uh, we're getting the briefing on progress and outcomes of the petition and the resolution on the legislation proposal. <laughs> these are on page one. These are members who are present. Uh, me- uh, members of the OpenServe Telecom that were present members, uh, uh, supporting staff that was present. And then in page one, we're dealing with uh, where the chairperson of the acting chairperson was being elected since the chairperson was sick. And then Mr. Honorable uh, Jacobs was uh, elected based on the proposal from uh, Mr. April, which was seconded by Honorable Mieni. And then the apologies were, were read and were noted of the chairperson and uh, Honorable Zumula, as well as Honorable Tivilias. The presentation that was done by a uh, telecom open serve, which was done by, which was uh, introduced by Mr. Pinile Jani and was done by Ms. Muresi who was uh, standing for OpenServe. The opportunity that was given to IFTs in response to the presentation that was done. The del- on page four, the deliberation that were conducted. Uh, we showed that the members of the committee were not happy about the manner in which this matter was handled. Those are the deliberations. And then the resolution, the next item was the committee resolution on initiating the committee bill. Uh, Mr. Kumete, Conan Advisor, took members through on this uh, recommendation. And then at the end of the deliberation, it was uh, agreed that 
the committee has to take the 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 resolution of initiating a committee bill. Say so on this page, these are the res resolutions that we uh, taken that the committee must initiate the process of drafting its own report for adoption and later referral to the house that was on the issue of the petition. However, as well as the telecom was one that content of the report may not be favorable to its name and reputation. Therefore, the committee further advised telecom to try it out most best to resolve the matter with IFTs. And then uh, it was also a resolution adopted since the fifth administration for the Department of Small Business for fast checking the creation of Ombudsman or Ombuds Office. So these were a recommendation that were coming out of the petition. And then with respect to the committee bill, it was resolved that the bill should be crafted and the secretariat should start with necessary documentation of developing a committee bill. Then on the seventh item, the minutes of the one August were considered and were adopted after consideration being uh, uh, proposed and seconded, proposed by Mr. April and seconded by Mr. Mieni. And these were the chairperson's remarks. And the meeting agenda at 1315, which was under the acting chairperson, Mr. Vice uh, Jacobs. So these are the meeting, these are the minutes of 7 September 2022. I should think uh, Mr. Jacobs has come back since he's the one who was there. He can proceed by uh, confirming that this is a true reflection of the meeting. You are right. Can I we do confirm, Chair? And support it. Thank and you. For it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Thank you. This was the only Minas King. Yes, Chair. I think uh, this quarter we are very active. We are uh, considering minutes of the previous week, this was, this was of the last week, so this was the only set of minutes, Chair. Thank you. Pro progressive, and that concludes the the program of the day. This was the last item in our agenda, isn't it? Yes, yes, Chair. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Members and our officials. Mm -hmm. um, it was a good session, and I'm happy you ventilated everything which you feel is not right. I really appreciate that. Uh, in future, okay. I'll, yes. Before we close, let's go back to the minutes. The, there was no second. It was also only Honorable Jacobs. Who confirm and then who the must be a seconder for adoption? It seems as if Honorable April seconded. Oh yes, I did. I did second. Sorry, yeah. I missed. Sorry, my apology. Yeah, Honorable Members, thank you so much. What I would like to caution Honorable Members here is to make sure that while deliberating, let us stick to the report so that even the presenters do not lose focus and. Again, for the decorum of the committee, 
even if there are issues, issues which are not supposed to be ventilated during our presentation, we need to to try to avoid them because it is not good maybe to indicate I'm basing this uh, I'm 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 putting this matter before you because of the of the sentiments in our in our first first meeting where I didn't want to to interrupt members but my humble appeal is that to all of us let us try to stick to what is on is before us not suppressing anyone who can say anything because if ever there are issues which we would like to raise we must have a way of raising them that is my humble appeal but thank you so much the meeting is then urgent sorry chair before you adjourn, uh, before you make those remarks uh, Honorable Matudele raised the hand, so I don't know whether is it in on minutes or on something else. I think it should be on minutes. If not on minutes, if ever there are any other things, she will talk to me after because I have already concluded the matter. Honorable Matulelo. Oh, sorry, H. I raised my hand before you do your remarks. It's concerning. Yes, you are correct that we must not raise some things because we were not we, we, sometimes we were not uh, alone or there are some people who were doing their presentations who do not do uh, who do not know uh, about our our daily programs that is why i raised my hands because i wanted us to finish with the presentations then i raised my uh, concern that i think it's it's very uh, urgent uh, this uh, this thing, if you, you you allow me, I will just raise it because CSA uh, Pagamisa in this uh, in this portfolio committee, um, a program of action. We must not be uh, reduced. We must not be reduced to a portfolio committee. I'm a presentation. So a, a program, a clear program of action of the department. And the CIDA and CIFA, we were not uh, granted any program of action. And then, if you remember, right, uh, members, that we we even raised an issue where we were in the meeting with the minister, where we wanted to know, Uguti, where were these things that were told our small businesses were, were given, were supported during the floods, everything. I even raised the issue that. Is, is it not an Eastern Cape? That Matatela is not an Eastern Cape or what? On the, on the answer, Minister, we are what? On her answer two weeks ago, what was the 24th, the August? He's, she said, when we were asking about e- exclusion of Matatel SMMEs, I quote, the, the Matatel executive mayor did not know that the small Imaging farmers are small businesses. That was the answer of the minister. Boom, Monday, the minister will be in Matatel after, 20, after 28 years. This government neglected Matatel Township in the Eastern Cape. And, and, and this uh, Matatel was treated and its people as a stepchildren of this country. We were voted for by people. It can't be that 
as these department uh, members, we don't know the program of action of this department. More especially, we have been I have been raising the issue of Matatel being neglected. But the minister is going to Matatel. We just catch it in social media. This is not correct. We were voted for by every citizen of South Africa. We are not in this department by anyone's favor. We have equal rights to know where and when will the department deliver <laughs> services that belong to our people. It's our obligation to inform people that we've been fighting for. When what, when Minister Eoban is going there to give or to, 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 is, is responding to what we've been fighting for. We have to know. We're not a puppet of this department. The minister pretends as if this is her show. It's not her show. If we are fighting and saying Vembe is not is neglected, Vembe did never receive. And if she is 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 attending to that issue, we must know as members of this portal community because when people see it in social media, they call us because they know that we represent them in the small business department. This must stop. We must know each and every program of action so that we become part. Or if we are not part, we. Tell these people in our constituencies that your matters are being attended to. The minister is coming. So you must go and ask yourselves your questions uh, uh, to, to, to minister. You must ask questions to minister or you can go to Matata because the minister is going there. It must not uh, be a by the way or something that is suspectful. What is really is happening? The minister is using this department we are not interested on that. But if informal traders are going to receive anything on Thursday tomorrow, the minister should have told us because we've been fighting here and she said to us, there's nothing for Matatel because the executive mayor said he did not know that the small emerging farmers are small businesses. This thing must stop now, today. We must know each and every we must know the, the, the department's program of action. We are part of this. We can't fight. And then now, when she goes there and and, and give to wrong people, because there was a fight there, what if just calm the situation and this is a cater something? That is happening. And it's not going to rightful people. If we are not there, we are always going to come here. See, 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 see. See, colors again, this department, niggas are my coast. Because what? It's And we don't know what Sida is doing when. We don't know what Sifa is doing when. We are, we are just reduced in a, in a, in a, in a presentation. Department, we are not uh, okay. elected okay. for that. Uh, chair. Thank you, Chair. I'm okay. sorry to take a long, okay. but I'm okay. just raising my concern and I'm not happy with what is happening. But it's, it's fine. I'm, I will be there in Matatia and I will see and I will attest if these these things are given to rightful people. Okay. Okay. Yes, Honorable Kruger. Um, chair, I don't think that was part of the agenda. So, um, 
That's yeah, why I, we I, I wanted, I wanted And you are out of order. We can't wait for the agenda. While you are saying, when the people from outside who are here, we must wait for them to go out and then we will solve our issue. You are out of order as well. You can't say that. Honorable Matulela, Honorable Kruger, hang on. Honorable Matulela, I allow you to speak. You should have allowed Honorable Kruger to speak and then I make a ruling. I don't like the such behavior. You, you, they were quiet when you speak. Allow him to say what he's saying. If I feel that it, it is not in line with the what you call, I will make a ruling. But uh, I, I believe the decorum of this portfolio committee still need to be respected. I heard you. I heard what you have, you have said, but what I want Yes. I now finish, ma'am. Finish, ma'am. Who's speaking now? I'm no longer going to open this for discussion. I want to make a ruling. Yeah, but Chairperson, please don't allow that uh, gentleman there, uh, Honorable Kruger, to be a Chairperson as well. That we don't know. Please. You are the uh, Chairperson but... here. You are a capable Chairperson here. You can give the ruling yourself without any assistance from anyone. Thank you. Honorable Kruger. I'm going to finish, finish my point. No, Honorable Kruger, I won't uh, open this for discussion. Otherwise, I will be out of order myself as the chair. In fact, I should not have allowed Honorable Matulelo to speak in the first time. I'm making is this that all of us who have been voted. There are any issue which an honorable member needs to get from the department. Honorable members are allowed to can write to the department and request such. And if there are no responses from the department, honorable member have got a right to can report this to the committee through our secretariat. You are allowed to can ask anything because it's part of your oversight about what what uh, Honorable Matulel is saying. If the department is not responding to certain requests, please inform us so that we can attend to it because I don't think that uh, we can be here and be frustrated as members. We are Asking questions from the department is part of our oversight. So the only procedure which one must do is to make sure that you direct your issues direct to the office of the minister in the the department. And if there is no response, you inform the portfolio committee through secretariat will attend to it. So I don't think that that should be an issue. I heard you, Honorable Matulela, and that is the ruling I'm trying to do. And we must continue doing that because our interaction with the department is critical for guidance and advice. We must check them. We must question them. You are right, but let us do it according to the rules of the house. That's what I wanted to indicate. So, uh, Honorable Kroger, I'm not going to open any discussion on this matter. I've made a ruling. What I was trying to say was to say that if ever there are issues, let's handle them in terms of the rules of the house. That's why that, that, that was my point. So thank you so much. The meeting stand agenda. Thank you, Chair.
Recording stopped.